my shorts. Welcome to the Dave Lee Down Under Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Dave Lee, and this is episode 19. I can't believe it. Every week I say, I can't believe it. we're up to this episode, but we're pushing like 20 episodes, which is which is pretty crazy to me. Of course, you can join me every single Monday here on the podcast. Uh, it goes out on all major podcasting platforms, including App Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Audible. The visual element is available to view on YouTube. And that'll go out two days earlier to all the Patreon supporters out there. So if you'd like your two-day early access to that one on a Saturday, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Dave Lee Down Under. Sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you can, of course, find me on YouTube at Dave Lee Down Under, over on Twitter, Instagram. Links down in the description below, all that good stuff. If you want to write into the show, you can shoot an email to DaveLeePod at gmail.com. And if you are listening on podcast platforms, please leave a review. It does help. Every little bit of like communication and stuff helps and, you know, gets, gets the podcast pushed out there and everything. I'm very excited about today's show, guys. I've got a, I've got a guest on who I'm, very, I'm just very, very excited to talk to. This is a guy I've been watching on YouTube for a long time. This is one of the OG movie guys. When we talk about like the people who, I guess, sort of started out. The, what is now essentially this uh, movie space, this movie bubble on YouTube. This is one of the original guys that was there. And I've been watching him probably three or four years before I started my channel. He's been on the platform for, I think he's pushing 11 years on the platform now. So, you know, he's been there right from the very beginning. You all know it. I'm sure if you're here watching me, you're familiar with my... You know this guy for sure. He's, of course, John Flickinger from The Flickpick. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Hey, yeah, thanks, man. I'm getting too old for this shit, as they would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a long time, but it's nevertheless, I don't know what else I'd be doing with my life if it wasn't for YouTube or talking about movies. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Not, not a problem. I messaged you, like, what was that, like, on Sunday, and you got back to me within a couple of hours, and I was uh, very, very surprised, very happy. So thank you so much oh. for being so enthusiastic to come on and uh, so Definitely, man. I, I have nothing better to do. Why not? <laughs> I mean... I, I get a lot of people that ask me to do podcasts, and I usually, I usually don't do them. And yeah. then I watched part of yours, and I was like, you know what? I like this guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join him. Thanks and I'll, I'll tell you what sold me was your enthusiastic attitude, the sparkle in your eyes. But oh, most yeah. importantly, I really like your backdrop. I like your RGB lights, and Thank I like your much. theater chairs, and yeah. that is truly magical. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you very much. Magical, mystical. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get to the other part later. But yeah. <laughs> Well, the the lights are a new addition to the set this season. We've only had them for a couple of a couple of uh, episodes here, so I'm glad that that was uh, like a nice selling point to kind of get you on here. It was indeed. Now, my question to you is: yeah. in front of you, is there a large TV or a projector screen? Yeah, I've or? got a big cinema screen, three three okay. meter screen. I don't know what that is in what unit of measure inches over there. I think that's okay. Uh, okay, awesome, man. Yeah, I have to. I, I'm curious. I, I want to know more about your 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 setup. Almost. Yeah. Well, we essentially got yeah the big screen there in front of me, the projectors up on the. You can actually see the projector up on the ceiling there. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's a awesome. nice a awesome. nice setup. We've got it all. Okay. Sitting just awesome. enjoying a nice movie every morning, every evening, whatever. See, that's what I need to do. I'm jealous. I'm I'm truly envious of that. Yeah. You've got a good yeah, setup I mean, though. I've said I've seen you see your no. shot on your videos and stuff. 
I move so often that I used to have a good setup like three years yeah. ago. And then I moved, I, I keep downsizing and downsizing. And mm. then it's just like, I don't have a good permanent <laughs> space to watch my movies. It's like in the living room on the couch, but I can hear the refrigerator making yeah. weird noises. And I'm like, I can't live like this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, one day, one day I will do what you're doing there. I'm, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Well, I don't know how long we've had it now, five or six years. So it's been, it's a, it's a lot of fun to come in and watch it. But you do get noise from the other room. I mean, first world problems. But you do, there's a TV, yeah. the living room on the other side of the door. And there's always someone watching TV in there. And there's always that sound pollution. So no matter uh, how big your setup is, there's always got to be something. Again, first you get, world you get problems. A- you got to put a couple uh, pairs of headphones in the other room. Yeah, exactly and that's, right. that's how they get to, yeah, that's how they get to enjoy the yeah, TV viewing yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. How, how have you been anyway? What's it like where you are over in the, over in the States at the moment? Um, well, are, are we going to open, are we, are we referring to the pa- pandemic or the weather? Well, a bit of everything. Yeah. I've seen cra- crazy weather, crazy virus, a bit of everything. It's shitty on both parts, yeah. I will say. Yeah. Uh, the weather, it's, I live in Columbus, Ohio, so okay. it's, we're right in the middle of winter uh, and uh, just cold. I, I hate waking up. You're walking out to my car and there's like five inches of snow on it. It just makes me want to go back inside and yeah. lay in the fetal position yeah. until springtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pandemic, um, more or less, the only inconvenience I have in life uh, because I've always been kind of a weirdo is the movie theaters, mm-hmm. no new movies, yeah. can't go to the theater. That's the biggest negative. The yeah. second negative is Walmart closes at 11 o'clock. Right. I, for some odd reason, <laughs> I find that highly inconvenient. I was always a night dweller, a vampire. Yeah. So if I can go to Walmart at three o'clock in the morning and buy a frozen pizza, mm. I like that freedom. Yeah. I like that option. And when that's taken away from me, that's when I knew things were changing. Yeah. It's been, it has been weird. It's like, like, I don't know. That's like putting it, putting it lightly, <laughs> but it's been a yeah. very, just a, a strange, strange year. We are, we are, we're okay here where I'm in Melbourne in Australia at the moment. We're, we're going okay. And they said we eradicated the virus months ago, but we keep getting these little bubbles that keep popping up. That's kind of start, start to worry everyone a little bit. And we're kind of in the middle of one at the moment that's really starting to get everyone a little bit worried, and we're hoping it doesn't turn into a third wave. But who knows? It's yeah. just kind of, it's just up and down. Um, and our weather is like completely opposite to you. We're uh, thirty-five degrees Celsius, which is uh, in Fahrenheit seventy yeah. something, something like that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing I'm envious of. Uh, so jealous. Uh, it sounds like everything's better there. I uh, <laughs> do you have you do you know anyone or have you met anyone that has had COVID? Yes. We, Have you? Okay. Yeah, I've, uh, two of my cousins had it. It's funny because they, it's not funny, but they, ha- they had it and three people that they live with didn't get it. So it's such a, such a weird thing. And um, a family mm. friend of ours had it as well and was actually here when, when, he, when he had it. This was like at the very beginning. He was like one of the first people in Melbourne or even in Australia to, to have it. And he just kind of stopped by to say hi, whatever, and then a couple of days later, he rings us up. He's like, "Oh, I'm really sorry." Well, he was sick. He was like sniffling and had a had a cold. He thought it just had like a like a you know, head cold or a flu, whatever. A couple of days later, he rings up. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I have COVID. So now you have to lock down for two weeks." And then we like the the health office calls us and all that. So yeah, that's been with that's kind of our yeah that they're the people I've been in touch with. But luckily, we were all okay. So we just really? kind of dodged a bullet there. Just yeah. Similar situation. I had a family member that had it a uh, couple and I mm. stayed at, at their house for a couple of days and 
nothing happened to me. Completely yeah. fine. We had a, a few family friends that had it, met them, hung out with them for like a few days, actually, when they helped, helped me move in. I didn't get it. And I don't know if I have like a superior immune system or something, but yeah. uh, my recommendation is take your zinc, yeah. take zinc supplements. It, yeah. It'll save your life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It was like the two weeks we got locked down. It's like, you feel like a ticking time bomb. I'm sure you're probably the same. You're just like waiting for some sort of symptom to kick in or like, oh gosh, I got a little bit of a headache. This is it. I've got it. I've got it. But no, we were, we were okay. It's weird. Just, just a weird thing. Some people get it, yeah, it. Some people, yeah. It was. I. I just remember when it, it all first happened back in uh, late February, early March. I. It was like uh, the zombie apocalypse was yeah. on the horizon yeah. of happening. It was. It was like a weird, scary, interesting time to be alive, mm. uh, because it was the first time we've ever encountered something mm. like that. And I. I think in our our lifespans. And it was just like, I just remember going to the store and like the shelves were empty. Yeah. People were pushing uh, uh, shopping carts of toilet paper, mm. like a 10 year supply of toilet paper out. I'm just like, it was like a crazy time. And mm. it's like, that was the scariest part. Yeah. Everything after that, it was like, ah, oh, this is, this isn't so bad. It's kind of boring. It's yeah. not very convenient, but McDonald's is still open. So I think we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, same thing here. Just people just went on that weird what do they call it? A, a, a friend, like frenzy shopping, panic shopping, panic yeah. shopping. That's it. Yeah. And it's every time we kind of have like what looks like it's going to be another wave. We've had two big waves here in Melbourne and everyone's like bracing for the third, but every time it looks like you're going to another one, it happens again. And the first thing that goes is the toilet paper. And then you get stuff like the milk goes and the meat goes and then everything. And you're right. The first like week, being those first like days leading up to okay, but this is getting real bad. It's just empty shelves. Just yeah, really weird, weird time to be alive. Yeah. Like I said, as long as a McDonald's is always open, exactly right. that's when you know it's going to be okay. If yeah. they close, you know things are going. That's when you start living in the bunker underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly so. right. Well, it's the same yeah. here. Twenty four hours. If you get the McDonald's closed, that's a problem. Yeah, Big you problem. know things are serious. Yeah, I actually I went back to the cinema for the first time. <laughs> Um, like two weeks ago. They've mm-hmm. just opened here maybe like a month, maybe a couple months ago. People are still like really like touchy about going and stuff. I only went because I got like preview tickets to go and see the little things. Um, so I went to that and people are still not really, and I, I know it's the same over there, people like not wearing masks and all that stuff. And even though it's been okay here, people, you know, we're still told you got to wear your mask, you got to do this, especially when inside or whatever, especially when it looks like you might be going into another wave. People just not people just not not doing it. And, you know, we're told at the front, okay, everyone needs to wear a mask in the cinema. You have to sit, you know, you'll have to leave every second row empty, three seats between everyone. I get in there within ten minutes of sitting down. There's two people sitting right in front of me. It's just <laughs> it's it's crazy how how some people are, are kind of dealing with it. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I think we're like going backwards uh, because. Mm. I last August when Tenet opened up yeah. and uh, the new mutants say what you will about that yeah. abomination against humanity. <laughs> but those, those two movies opened and theaters were sort of opening back up mm. and I saw both of them in the theater and there's probably like 20 other people watching it and everyone was socially dis- distancing and more or less wearing their mask, but it's hard yeah. to tell someone to wear their mask, but you're allowed to pull your mask yeah. down to eat the popcorn yeah. and drink your soda yeah. throughout a movie. It's like, yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't. It does. Doesn't make any sense. Um, but I. I but now theaters. There's nothing in the theater to go watch. I mean, mm-hmm. and now half of them are shut down again. It's just weird that we 
went backwards since mm. August, and it was sort of disappointing to me. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's leave all that behind us. We'll get under the fun okay. stuff, of course. Um, yeah. Of course. What what are you like? What are you? What have you been watching lately? That obviously nothing in the cinemas. There's been no big new movies or anything. I mean, HBO Max has just sort of started rolling out over there, so you're getting a little trickles and new stuff kind of come in. Um, what what have you been watching recently that you've either enjoyed or not enjoyed? Or well, I, I mean, I thought we were trying to leave the negativity behind, but real quick, let's <laughs> yeah. add one more thing here. Uh, speaking of new things I've watched, yeah. I watched the little things yeah. um, starring good old Denzel and. Yeah. Jared Leto, which oh, is yeah. hit or miss anymore nowadays with his overacting. Uh, yeah. But what a disappointing movie. And I wanted to love it. Like the mm. whole genre, like the serial killer mystery yeah. uh, detective movie. That's I live for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that. Give me some seven any day of the week. Yeah. But man, talk about a waste of potential with the mm. little things. Highly disappointed. What, what did you think of it? Did um, you see it? Yeah, I did. I said, so that's the one I saw at the cinema. And it worked for me on one part, but again, it's like I joined it because I like those like crime thrillers from the '90s that are always really slow and don't really seem to go anywhere, and the payoffs you know not great at the end. Um, so yeah. it worked for me on that respect, but yeah, it wasn't seven. You know, it wasn't it wasn't no. the greatest thing, especially with the caliber of cast that's involved. Again, Denzel, Rami, uh, Rami Malek, Jared Leto. I could give or take, sort of, I'm on and off with them, but. You know, these are all Academy Award winning actors. You'd expect something of a higher caliber from it, I think. Yeah, I, I can't think of a, a film in recent years that had a worse pacing than, mm. than that film. It just, it, every time it felt like it needed like an injection of like energy and yeah. suspense, it just did the opposite. Mm. And they didn't know how to like present the story as well. I think there was a great concept behind the movie. Yeah. But like they just didn't know how to bring that to fruition when they were making it. And by the end of the movie, uh, Rami Malek's character, who's a detective, mm. he just does things that make no logical sense that n- no human being on the planet would do these things, let alone an intelligent detective who has a family. Uh, I, I just <laughs> didn't buy that. And that's where yeah. I was like, this movie's a lost cause. Yeah. Well, they, the, uh, the director, wrote, the, the writer director wrote it 30 years ago. Wrote it in the 90s, so it's taken 30 <laughs> years to get it going. Yeah. And whenever you hear about a project that's like that, oh, yeah, this has been in the works for 30 years, whatever, you, yeah. well, why? Why have, you been, why have you not been able to get this movie made until, like, right now? It's always, like, a little bit of a – that explains it a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you think if he had 30 years, he would have perfected the script, <laughs> you know? But it seemed like he didn't – it, it honestly felt like um, – when it comes to, like, screenplays, it felt like the first draft of a screenplay. Yeah without any like tweaking or perfecting or um, and I don't know. I'm curious if a test audience saw this movie. Probably not. Um, But I'm I'm curious, like what they said about it. If they saw it anyway, I, I hated it. It worked worked okay for me, but it wasn't a great movie by any stretch. The, The one thing that I thought that really threw me off is that each, each three leads, they deliver a good performance, but it's almost like all three of them are acting in a different film. So you've got Denzel puts in like his really stoic sort of performance, and then Rami Malek is, uh, I don't know if you had, he, it's almost like he's acting in like a really dramatic kind of movie. And you've got Jared Leto, he's just off on his own planet, sort of doing his <laughs> own thing, and it works for the character, but when you throw that in with the other, it's, it's almost like you've got three different things going on at once. 
Yeah, you, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like they were sort of all acting separately in different yeah. rooms. Like they were yeah. never in the same room together. Yeah. Uh, Jer- Jared Little felt like he felt like a live action cartoon character yeah. or something. Like he could have been could have been in like a Scooby Doo movie. I don't know. Um, if you want to make a dark rated R Scooby Doo movie, which I would love to see. But yeah, Denzel is always Denzel to me. Like you either take or leave it. Like he's always the cocky guy two steps ahead of everyone. (laughs) But um, like I said, I liked what they were going for, but they just didn't quite know how to achieve it. Didn't quite nail it. No. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of old stuff. I've got a stack of movies, like hundreds of movies out there that I just haven't watched. And this is partly like why I wake up early in the morning. I trying to get a movie in before I get into work just to kind of just whittle that that pile down. So I've been watching a lot of stuff that either I've missed the last few years or just older stuff, like catalogue stuff. I finally got around to watching the John Wick films. Now, you're a big fan of action. So what are your, th- what are your thoughts on John Wick? Ooh, uh, that's a... <laughs> see, you would assume I would love all yeah. the John Wick movies, right? You would yeah. think that, right? And I like the first one. I think it's great. I think that is the most pure action film mm. of the last 20 years a man out for revenge because you murdered his dog. Hey, I'm sold. Kill them, kill them all. Uh, But then you get to the sequel and then you get to the following sequel. And I felt like they progressively lost what made the first one. So great. They became a little bit convoluted. They try to throw in more into this universe. And it's like, you don't really care about it. It's Mm. like, I just want to see John wick doing cool, badass things. Um, So you know, like I'd give the first one like an A minus, and then the grade would progressively go lower with yeah. each falling installment for me. But I, I'm curious to know what you thought of them since you just now got around to seeing them. Yeah, I, I I watched the first one when it first came out. Didn't remember any of it. I remember the premise. You went into I, to watch the second and third one. I was like, I have to go back and watch the first one again. And all I remember was like something about a dog, like they killed a dog or something. Don't yeah, remember yeah. nothing of it, but I I really loved it and. I, I like the I like the second the second and the third one as well. Um, but you're right, kind of on that narrative level, it does start losing a little bit. Gets a little bit. I mean, they're far fetched to begin with, but they just get progressively and progressively more far fetched. Even though the action is like gets better and better, the choreography and stuff is incredible. Visuals are gorgeous and stuff. But yeah, the the, the storytelling aspect, the narrative aspect, does kind of. You're like, I don't really care about this. Who are these people? He's walking around New York City and every second person wants to kill him sort of thing. And the thing is, like, they're supposed to take place over, like, a week or something. I was watching one of the, um, the uh, like, making of features with, with the, the filmmaker, and he mm-hmm. said, oh, yeah, you know, this is taking place over the course of a week or something. You're like, hang on a minute. You kind of don't think about it when you're watching the movie, but it's like, well, it's a lot of stuff for this guy to go through in one week. It was like one or two weeks. That might have been the second one because he said the yeah. second one, like, picks up directly after the first one. And it's like a, it's all happening in the same week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, like, does he sleep? Does he eat? Yeah. Does he just shoot people all day? <laughs> He's just on the run. Um, yeah, I always see going into the third one. I was like sort of excited because I thought they could have. Um, everyone was like out to get him. Like everyone, yeah. I thought it could have been like a really cool, like sort of a escape from New York vibe. Yeah. Like he's in this city, just trying to survive. But nope, that lasts for five minutes, and then he goes off into the yeah. desert, and meets Holly Berry. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, was, what? Why? How did we get here? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, yeah th- things like that. But like you said, like the world building and stuff. Once they sort of start getting away from that main story, it loses you mm-hmm. a bit, and then he gets back Absolutely. to New York, and by that point, you're like, I don't care. Just- yeah, that, I I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, did, I I enjoyed them. I loved them. I'm a, now you're a big fan of like 80s, 90s action for sure. Oh, that's pure. That's 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 pure. That is pure. Now, what I finally got into is Jean Claude Van Damme films. 
I'd Ooh. never touched them before. I'm, I'm really keen to know. I don't know if I've ever heard you even really mention them or anything. I'm keen to know what your thoughts are on the JCVD films. Uh, but do you watch movie fights? Did you ever watch movie fights back in the day? Ah, uh, yeah, a little bit. Didn't watch it all the time, but I saw a bit of it. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I won a movie fights episode with a John Claw Van Damme question, and it was right. like, "What is his best movie?" Yeah. And I, I, and I said, "Bloodsport," obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sure as shit didn't say Street Fighter. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, but, I just watch uh, that one. Ugh. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, honestly, if I had to pick like my favorite John Claw Van Damme movie that I actually enjoy watching, yeah. It was always Lionheart. I always thought that yeah. was like his underrated movie. I haven't got to that one yet. That's one I just bought. Now, I'm sure my okay. listeners are sick and tired of me talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme because I've just discovered him. He's, this, he's the one that I've been like, I'm going to watch his movies. They just, look, they just look terrible, right? But I've been enjoying them because they are terrible. And it's just like on a whole other level to the Sly Stallone or the Schwarzenegger stuff, I think. It's just like you watch them and it's like, these are so bad, but I'm having so much fun. But the two I've really enjoyed so far was um, Universal Soldier and Death Warrant. Death Warrant's one I watched this week. And they're two that I actually watched and thought, the stories in these are actually really good. I'm enjoying the story. He's acting, yeah, it's always a little bit wobbly, but it's enjoyable. And it actually feels like he's like putting in like a, a decent effort or whatever. Um, the action's always good, and whether it's good because it's, it's fun or it's funny or whatever. Um, but Lionheart is one I've just bought. I haven't got around to watching it just yet. I think it's the next one I'm going to get to. I've got... Um, I've just picked up Lionheart, one called uh, Black Eagle, which is apparently terrible, uh, Bloodsport, oh. and Time Cop. I'm waiting to arrive, so I haven't seen them yet. So, um, but, but I'm, yeah, I'm I, I think uh, Time Cop has the best projection quality of any yeah. Van Damme movie. But for me, once again, I would say you might enjoy Lionheart because it's the most subtle yeah. John Claw Van. If you can be subtle, yeah, take that, take that with a grain of right. salt. But it's like the most subtle, but it gives you like all the cool John Claw Van Damme, like roundhouse kicks and mm-hmm. beating people's asses out in the street and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and it has like the most heart to it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so like I've it. always enjoyed it. Okay. I'm looking forward to checking that one out. The ones I've watched so far, we've got Hard Target. That was the first one I watched and I was just so mm-hmm. fun. Just so all that, the, the, I think, um, out of all the ones I've seen so far, it's just the most outrageous in terms of the violence and the fight scenes and stuff. Uh, Kickboxer, I watched. Well, actually, maybe hard to, Maybe that's a, a good competitor. Uh, Universal Soldier, I watched, which I enjoyed, and then yeah, Street Fighter as well, which is just. I was told by another like big Jean Claude Van Damme fan not to watch it. I understand why. <laughs> I understand he, why. He's playing Guile with an American flag tattoo, and he yeah. has like the heaviest French accent I've ever seen in my life. It's it's. I, I would almost say Lionheart's a better Street Fighter movie than right. Street Fighter. Yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. The funniest thing I find about these, half of them, he has to explain within the first like 10, 15 minutes of the film why he has a French accent. And there's like numerous ones I've watched where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Canada. Or, you know, I've just come from Quebec or something. <laughs> they just have to like explain away why he's got a French accent. I think it's just well, such, such a funny thing. Well, fair. At least they at least put it into the script where they gave some excuse for it. I mean, at least they didn't insult us, our intelligence that much. Yeah. Um. What else have I watched recently? If we talk about like uh, we're in the pandemic and everything at the moment, it's like apocalyptic wasteland. I watched this film called Cargo. Have you seen this? It's an Australian film with uh, Martin Freeman in it. Oh, uh, Morgan Freeman? No, Martin Freeman, the guy. From, Martin, uh, yeah, the guy that was um, in um, oh, the Bilbo Baggins yeah. in the Hobbit films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 
I remember seeing a trailer for that. I didn't see it. How was it? Was it good? It was. was it, it was quite good. It wasn't fantastic, but it was. I thought it was really good. There was a nice spin on on kind of the zombie kind of genre, if you want to call it that. And it's like again, it's got like heart to it. It's okay. the, like set in the apocalyptic wasteland. Everyone's dying from this virus that's like spread across Australia. And sounds he, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like very close to home at the moment that's for sure um and he sort of everyone's dying around him and him he's got his wife and he's got a kid and he's this like in the first act of the film the wife gets infected with it and he has to try and save her essentially and then save the kid and whatever else gets caught up with all these other people and i think it's really good it's like a good heart because this guy that just wants wants the best for his family wants to get his family away from everything that's going on around him and that's what that's what i love in films it's like the heart and just the soul of it all yeah that's it, the premise sounds good uh was that was that a netflix movie i think i might have released in netflix over there yeah okay yeah I, that's what i recall and something recently netflix movies are not a selling point to me yeah no i'm, I'm the same yeah i just wish they would pick and choose great screenplays yeah. to actually uh produce and turn into great movies but they just yeah. seem to pick like bottom of the barrel stories yeah and they don't know how to make the films. Um, recently, I've been watching. What I do is I watch yeah. like the same fifty movies over yeah. and over to take me to like a happy place. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. because I'm so tired of being disappointed by like yeah. the little things. For example, yeah. um, like I watched um, I watched Goodfellas for like probably like the fifth time ever. And I, I the reason I watched those I wanted to make sure because I've always said casinos better than goodfellas yeah. and i wanted to make sure i was i still stood by that deep <laughs> yeah. down inside and i do <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah I was last time you watched goodfellas by scorsese yeah i haven't i haven't watched them in ages i need i keep yeah. saying i need to get back to them i'm usually the same i would usually just watch like the same handful of movies over and over again but this pile was just getting bigger and bigger i'm like oh, you know yeah. what i have to it's at this point now where i gotta step away from the stuff i love and just watch mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that i've got sitting around and you're right half of it's not fantastic and i yeah. would rather be sitting there and watching something that you know i really do love you, you know what i'm let me give you some advice uh-huh. let me give you some advice i see i used to be like you i used to do yeah. what you're doing and then i one day i was like life is too short to punish yourself yeah like if some of these movies were so great people would still talk about them yeah. there would be a discussion to be had and if I can't find that discussion, then I don't waste, I don't waste my time doing it. Yeah. That, well, that's interesting uh, because yeah. I had, um, James Clement, Mr. Sunday movies on the show. He said, a very, oh, yeah, yeah. he said a very similar thing in that, you know, he used to just watch stuff and he, if he didn't like it, he'd still sit through it and just watch it or whatever. And he said, he got to this point where he's like, you know what? It's yeah, Life's too short for that. If I'm not enjoying this, turn it off. Just watch what you enjoy yeah. and whatever. So I'm sure that's something that I will. I'll, I'll learn eventually, maybe too late, yeah. but um, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been. Yeah. Yeah. My thing is like, if there's like a great movie you've never seen from 20 years ago or whatever, yeah. and there's like a, like people still reference it, talk about it, then there's something worth seeing there. Yeah. There's something that's going to have longevity to it, to worth like watching and having a conversation later on, but like watching some bullshit B rate movie of the week from Netflix. I'm just like, yeah, you know, if it's a rainy day and I'm I'm flipping through the channels, I'll I'll check it out. Um, another, you know, another movie I watched recently, and this is like such my happy place go to movie yeah. is uh, Hook was on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. And anytime Hook is on, I don't care where it's at, 
I don't care if it's on cable TV, if it's on at three o'clock in the morning, you stop and you yeah. watch Hook. Yeah. Because that that is a magical experience. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. I feel like it's weird because the last few years, you know, there's these movies that everyone loves so much and then all of a sudden people like turn on it. And I see a lot of people on, on like Twitter and stuff like, oh, I hate Hook. It's awful. It's like the worst Spielberg movie ever. And then even Spielberg comes out and he's like, oh, it's, it's the one movie that I like either regret making or I didn't enjoy. It's such a good film. And you got Robin <laughs> Williams, you got action and adventure and just, it is such a fantastic movie. I love it. And it's the same. And it's one of those movies that you just watch, no matter, you turn it on and it's there and you're like, yeah, I got I to gotta watch this, even if there's bloody commercials or anything. Oh yeah, I hate I hate Peter Pan. You wrote a crew bag of free feed chew, dude. I, I love it, man. Go suck on a dead dog's wet nose, Rufio. I love every second of it, man. It's That's just crazy. it's one of those like if you're having a bad day, go watch that movie. Yeah. It's pure escapism. It's also sort of sad in a way mm. because it makes you question your own mortality yeah. and your your youth. Yeah. But with all that said, it's nevertheless it's really fun. No, exactly right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything with Robin Williams is fun for me. He's like my like number one. I think I grew up watching all these movies and stuff. I just, yeah. oh, I know. But you know the you know I don't want to sound so depressing, but yeah. like I feel the same way. And then I think of reality, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. It's hard like, for me to watch one of his movies now. Yeah, oh God, it's like so I I just have to forget. Like I try to yeah. like have self induced amnesia when it comes <laughs> to that that fact in life. Yeah, it's. It is, that is weird because that was, I think, just plugging my laptop in here. Should have done yeah, that before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that was like the one celebrity death that really sort of hit me. I'm not mm. like hit like real hard by a lot of them. And that Robin Williams one is one that's like a dagger to the gut, you know. And every time I watch one of these movies, like, yeah, I'm going to watch this great Robin Williams film. And it's like, it's sad. It's sad. It's it's yeah, like they're like really bittersweet movies now to watch. Even like Mrs. Doubtfire or any of that. Particularly one that I really love, and I know a lot of people hate it, is Jack, the one that Francis Ford oh. Coppola did, where he's, you know, he's like a ten-year-old in like a forty-year-old man's body. I don't know. It's one I've loved since childhood. But that's again, that's the one that just really hits me at the end because he's like an old man and he's like, oh yeah, I've got not not much time to live. Whatever. That end scene always got me, but now in particular. It's just like, oh, this is so sad, man. I I always agree with that. But it's like the most bittersweet ending. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I actually just watched another movie recently. Uh, I forgot I watched it. It was Bicentennial Man, another oh, yeah. Robin Williams movie. And it's kind of interesting because the theme of Bicentennial Man and Jack are sort of the same mm. thing. It's about like living the most you can and fulfilling your life, even though you have this certain amount of time. Um yeah, Bicentennial Man is a movie that also Robin Williams said he regretted making, but yeah. I love it. I love, I it, love it. I think I think it's underrated. I always forget about it, actually, but that is one that I used to watch all the time. Fantastic film. And that never got a Blu-ray release. I'm so annoyed. That's one of the no. that's a Disney one. It was a t- touchstone one. And they were just so picky with what they actually released on Blu-ray and stuff. And that's a movie I'd love to revisit for sure. Yeah, yeah, it flopped really hard. Uh but yeah. uh I, I have the DVD, the old crappy yeah. DVD and I watched it on uh, HBO Max recently, and that's sort of what I've been doing. I just go through HBO Max. I'm just like, I'll, I'll find a movie, one, yeah. one movie a day to watch over there. Yeah, Ter- terrific. I, uh, yeah. Um, look, I want to have a quick chat about your time on YouTube and everything. We'll get into that now. Um, we sort of, like I said at the top of the show, you're one of the guys who's been doing this since the beginning. Well, you're pushing, what, 11 years now on the platform? Yeah, I started in uh, 2010, yeah. Wow. I've been doing this for five. Um, I said yeah. to you just before we came on here. 
I've been doing it for five and I think I've probably been watching it maybe three or four years before I started doing it. You know, in that group, that, that first kind of group of people that came up and sort of exploded in that, in that kind of film bubble. Um, I'm particularly interested to talk to you because of this, because you've been around so long. And my experience on this platform in only five years is how much has changed on the platform in this very short amount of time. So I'm particularly interested to talk to you to kind of get your idea of, of kind of what's changed over 10 years, like over the decade, because I mean, how long has YouTube even been around for? I, uh, I mean, I think 2006 is when yeah. it sort of became a thing. And then, I, you know, the thing is like, I started back in 2010 and it felt like there wasn't a million people all mm. doing like the same thing. Yeah. Now it's like, it comes to a movie review. You have 6,000 videos yeah. instantly, a trailer reaction video. You have 20,000. Uh, and now it's just like there's so much content being pumped yeah. into the same little area, the same the same niche niche yeah. or whatever you want to call it. It's even if you're very talented, it's it's sort of hard to stand out now mm. yeah. as compared to 10 years ago. And I I'm so happy and thankful that I started when I did mm. because I don't I don't know if I would have had any traction or gained success yeah. if there was, you know, so much competition to kind of uh claw through mm. um but when i started though there but it's always a take and give especially yeah. when it comes to youtube because early on as far as like being creative with using content music even if it was fair use by federal copyright law yeah back back before 2014 i would say if you put a trailer a clip up in your movie review you would get demonetized which kind of yeah. limits your capacity to really make a, a valid point with that visual representation you want to share. And that, that was always the most debilitating thing about YouTube to me. Yeah. And then, but on the flip side of that, now you can do all of that and YouTube's mm. like sort of on your side. Yeah. And even if they have a copyright claim, there's, there's now a, a process to dispute it. And, and I like that. I like how you can actually go in and edit your video once yeah. it's uploaded and take out that five second clip that some, studios claiming yeah. stole all their profits from the justice league. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing. Like the technical side of it, I think is better. Mm. Um, but I will say as far as like um, gaining more viewership, honestly, to keep it completely real with you, the last like four years, it's been hard. Yeah. It's been really hard. And I don't know if it's like an algorithm change. Well, I'm pretty sure it's an algorithmic change. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard to gain more traction now than ever before. Um, for me, the most success I ever had on YouTube was, I would say, like twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. Yeah, like I gained the majority of my subscribers in two years. Yeah, out of the ten years of making videos, um, and there was just something about the algorithm in that mm. time that allowed people to keep watching my videos. And and you 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 know you're on YouTube now, and the most frustrating most frustrating thing is. You have this this fan base of people who clicked subscribe because they wanted to see, you know, yeah. your, your beautiful face. <laughs> and YouTube doesn't feed them the mm. videos yeah. when you make them. Yeah. And and I don't like that. I don't like how YouTube picks and chooses that mm. that ability. Uh, I think every subscriber should have your video in their sub box when you upload it. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen. And and um I, I don't want to go down the negative dark path, but like uh, like the biggest negative I ever had on YouTube, the most disparaging moment I ever had 
was back in um, maybe like 2017, late 2016. And there's one day where every day I'd gain subscribers every day, boom, boom, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. And then one day it's like someone at YouTube flipped a switch on my channel and the algorithm on my channel changed to where every day, guess what? Every time I uploaded a video, hundreds of subscribers were lost every time, every time, no matter what the video was, even if it was like a video I knew people would love, Mm. I would lose like 300 subscribers instantly. And that sort of like for a while turned me off to making YouTube videos. I was like afraid. It gave me panic to upload a video. Yeah. Cause I like, I'm, I'm being punished every time. So, uh, but yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really a question. It was more so just, oh. yeah, just, yeah. That's interesting to see just kind of your thoughts on how it's changed and all that stuff. Interestingly for, from my perspective, I always say this is that, um, you can be having the greatest time on, in terms of like how many subs and stuff you're getting, you're just rocketing and rocketing and rocketing and rocketing. And then it hits a brick wall and it stops. And again, it must be some algorithmic thing, but it happens every time that you have like a burst and you get heaps of people. It's not like it slows down. It doesn't just like, Oh, you're making like two or 300 a day. And then it's, you know, it's uh two fifty a day and then 200. And then it's just a brick wall. You go from getting two or 300 a day and then bang, you get like three the next day. It's just such a weird thing. And I get a lot of people as well, and I know a lot of people who are doing what, I, what we're doing as well, um, will say that they have subscribers writing to them like, oh, I didn't get an, a notification of your latest video. Or you'll get a comment which is like, oh, you're back. Where have you been? And you're like, I've been uploading videos like every second day for the last. I never yeah. took time off. It's just such, it's such a weird thing. I don't know. And I found even in the time I've been on here, the kind of content that people are what, and I don't know whether it's that people's viewing habits have changed and people aren't watching the same kind of stuff or that there are so many people doing it. But the beginning of, uh, of my channel, some of my biggest videos early on were like trailer reaction things. I hated doing them, but they, they performed well. They got me good traction. But like the first video of mine that ever kind of like, I guess, took off was a trailer reaction for Thor Ragnarok. And that was the first one that sort of you notice subs were going up and going up. Um, got me over my first like thousand, um, got to like 30,000 views or something. So it was very, it was like a huge video at the time. And then fast forward like three, four years later, last year at the, um, for the Super Bowl, I covered a bunch of trailer reactions. I lost like a hundred subscribers in a day from doing trailer reactions. And it's just weird how you can go from, oh, this content, you know, you're doing really well with this content three years ago. And then all of a sudden you've lost a hundred subs by doing that same content all that time later yeah it's 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 bizarre right and going back to what you said a second ago i uh i used to get comments and i actually used to get emails all the time um i was like people tell me they were unsubscribed from my channel and they didn't Mm. do that yeah and that really turned me off from youtube and i still it's sort of like a bittersweet thing with youtube and me i guess you could say um i I don't trust them but what other option do i have uh but no like like the trailer actually i've done Every every couple of years, there's like that new genre, like the trailer reaction, mm. uh, how the movie should have ended, the yeah. uh, the explained. Let me explain everything about a movie that you know is if you have common sense and an IQ over twelve, you <laughs> comprehend. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I get it, and I've done all those, and I watch those videos too. So yeah. I get it. You just have to c- keep up with it. But keep the rolling. thing is, with like um like losing the subscriber, sometimes 
people are very fickle on YouTube. Some mm. subscribers, unless you do the exact oh, same yeah. video yep. every time, yeah. they will leave you. And and the and the weird thing is I've like I don't know if I would qualify my channel as like a movie review channel. Like yeah. sure I've done movie reviews. I've done lots of them. Um but if you dislike a movie, people will unsubscribe mm. from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I I that mentality's always baffled me because I I question like so do you only subscribe to hear what you want to hear or do you want like a new opinion? from yeah. someone like occasionally we'll agree. And then occasionally we'll also disagree, but I've never understood the mindset of someone just wanting to listen to something that they, it's almost like going into the mirror and yeah. talking to yourself, having a one-way conversation <laughs> and being like fulfilled by that and going yeah. on with your day. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's like validation. That's what people want to have their, like their opinion is validated. And if mm -hmm. they're not hearing what they want, it's good. Yeah. See you later unsubscribe like i will upload yeah. movie reviews and lose subscribers on it it's just yeah it's bizarre it's funny because again i started my channel doing movie reviews trailer reactions all that all that kind of stuff there in more recent years i've pushed more towards doing like editorial stuff i do like a series of documentary things on pop culture characters and cartoon characters and stuff like breaking down their history 20 30 minute videos and that's kind of where most of my subscribers have come from now if I go back and do something that's a little bit different, and sometimes you just have to for your sanity because you're like, I enjoy doing this and it performs well, but sometimes I just want to do something that takes me, you know, a couple of hours to do and put it out there. And then yeah. you lose subscribers on it. People don't want it. Or the first comment you get within like the first minute is, when's your next your cartoon evolution video yeah. going up? And it's like, oh man. Or I get like a yeah. like a paragraph of requests for the next cartoon. And I think it's not that's not what this video is. It's just, yeah. it's so, it's such a, such a strange thing. It It is yeah, like the, like the video essay type yeah. projects that take days, hours, yeah. weeks to, you know, just to formulate and put it together. Uh, but on the flip side of that, like sometimes those videos, you know, get a few thousand views, whatever. And yeah. then you poop out some trailer reaction video, uh, like it's a hundred thousand yeah. views yeah. and it took you seven minutes yeah. to make. And it's so like, it's just like, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have a video on my second channel, uh, my vlogging style channel, where I, yeah. uh, oddly enough, just do live streams now, but I have a video of playing with a toy shark in a swimming pool that has like <laughs> 2.5 million views. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't comprehend it. I wish I could repeat that every day of the week and, and I would do it. I would play yeah. it with a, pool, a, a toy shark in, the, in my bathtub every oh, day yeah. if it got me 2 million views. Oh, yeah. uh, but that happened. I don't mm. know why. <laughs> yeah. it's it's yeah. I, I i don't get it and I, I guess we're not supposed to get it and we don't understand it whatever youtube does it's the weirdest things that take off um i know a guy who does he reviews all the netflix stuff he does everything mm -hmm. that comes out from netflix and he says it's always the smallest stuff the really obscure stuff that explodes he's like hundreds of thousands of views on a review for just some really weird obscure thing and again that could be partly because no one's covering it you know, sort of thing. But then on the other hand, it's almost like you just never predict what's going to, what's going to take off and what's going to tank. Yeah. You just got to find that, that little niche. And then I always find if there's a conversation to be had about like a movie, if like the, it has a controversial ending or something that's, you know, up for debate about what happened, you know, like the ending to inception is, you know, is it is a slightly ambiguous mm. ending. I think anytime you can make that conversation and you make a video, people like want that. They crave that because you know, I'm, I'm sort of a weirdo. I have a few friends in life, but I don't have a lot of friends that love movies as much as me. Yeah. 
so, so I think a lot of people lack that. Uh, and they look for that conversation through YouTube. And if you can provide that to them and give them that video that sort of relates to them and talks to them. And it's like, you're rather than my motto has always been, don't speak to your audience, have a conversation with yeah. them. And that's what I like to do. So, I mean, I think videos like that help, but yeah, going back to the Netflix thing, I mean, smart move on him, yeah. uh, you know, less competition. I mean, it's smart move. I agree. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal his idea now. <laughs> <laughs> get a little yeah. bit, get a little bit of that, but that's, that's the thing. You then yeah. you see someone who's doing, Oh, the really obscure thing. Let's do that myself. And then you don't do anywhere near as, as well because the other person is doing that thing anyway. And everyone kind of funnels towards them. And I feel like maybe mm-hmm. that's the way it's kind of gone. I think that's kind of how I found where you get these little genres that pop up again, whether it's the explain thing or the Easter egg video, or whatever, and you go, oh, yeah, this guy's doing really well with it. This guy's doing, like, so many people are doing really well with this kind of video. And then you start to do it, and it does really badly. That's because everyone's just going to the person that they know does that really well. And it comes back to that idea of you need to find your own personal niche. You've got to do something with your own voice that no one else is, is kind of doing. And I think you were very lucky to be able to be there at the beginning to be able to, to find that, that niche of yours. Yeah. And I'm still looking for it to be honest with you. Cause I don't know what exactly. Cause I, if you go, if you watch my channel, you can see every like three or four years, I start doing something a little bit differently. Mm. I mean, I, like I started off sort of, my whole thing was I never wanted to be like the movie review guy. I yeah. never wanted to do that. Like, I just wanted to be more of a, a almost a, like a lifestyle channel. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about everything that encompasses movies but in my life, uh, because something about like the vlogging aspect of things I've always enjoyed. It's like voyeurism. I like yeah. that aspect. Something about just doing a static re- mm. movie review, looking at the camera. I, that something like that kind of bores me inside. Yeah. And visually, like I would rather watch somebody moving around on the camera, going like like you showing like your your setup and talking about movies as you show like your projector on the screen. Like that's yeah. the kind of video like I crave to yeah. watch. Oddly enough. So like I started off like just being a weirdo in my mother's basement. Like I looked like a young Patrick Bateman about (laughs) to, you know, do something really bad. And then, you know, I progressed from there and started talking about like movie news topics and movie reviews and then doing like the Blu-ray stuff and then the the flick trips where I go out to like Walmart or Best Buy and I buy the movie. And uh, for me, I, I think what I wanted to do was really make it about my personality more than just like. Yeah. the big movie of the week. Yeah. And I think as long as you can always connect with people and make them like you, you can talk about whatever the hell you want to, and they'll keep coming back because they just like you as a person. And I think that's, I think that was the best thing I ever got across on YouTube was I never made it just about yeah. just the movie or the topic. It was like, well, I don't care wh- where John goes today, but I, I want to go with him to yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and I think, that's, I think if I could say I achieved one thing on YouTube, it was that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what drew me towards your stuff. Again, your erratic personality and you're just sharing these little glimpses of your life and something as mundane as going to the shops and buying a DVD, but making it fun and making it exciting. And it is, I want to go along with this guy to see what movie he's going to pick up and whether he enjoyed it or not, or, you know, see him rant in his car or whatever. Um, but you see so many people doing that now as well. And to be honest, the, the beginning of my channel, I did a lot of um, like hunt videos, haul videos and stuff. 
I was yeah. really like the only one in Australia doing it at the time, which I feel like kind of maybe got me a little bit of traction at first. And those videos did really well for me. I don't really do them anymore, um, particularly not in the pandemic and all that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think you were very lucky to be able to carve that carve that kind of niche there and really help to sh to shape it because it is such a big thing still now. It wasn't like for you who was there at the beginning and was one of those guys at the beginning who like Cool Duder and and whoever else who were really doing those trip videos and Blu-ray stuff. What's it like for you to now, 10 years later, look back and kind of see how YouTube has progressed or how people, or how it's, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, like you mentioned Cool Duder and I remember that was actually, he was like, a, he's a, if you guys don't know, he's sort of like the first guy to go out and buy movies and yeah. be kind of a, a weird personality on YouTube. Uh, he was the first channel I, I ever subscribed to back wow. in like 2008. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, if I was saying he didn't somewhat inspire me to start YouTube, I would be lying. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I can do that with my personality. Yeah. Uh, but starting off back then, I look at some of my old videos and I cringe so yeah. hard, mm -hmm. but I also laugh sometimes. <laughs> I'm glad that they exist. Yeah. Uh, because they will be memories I'd never show my children. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, if ever, I think the biggest detriment I ever had was overthinking everything I started to do. Yeah. Like I look back at my earlier videos and I just say the most obnoxious, crazy, weird, offensive shit sometimes, but it was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and now like I went through a phase where I was like a little bit afraid to do that. It's, I, I, I Nowadays, you kind of have to like tiptoe yeah. around everything you say, even if it's not controversial, mm. you oddly enough have mm -hmm. to sort of be careful. And I remember at one point, going back to the YouTube side of things, I remember YouTube was getting really uh, ad sensitive, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you were controversial, if you put the wrong tag in your video, if you just said the wrong thing for two seconds in your video, you would lose all monetization on your video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the adpocalypse and we've had a few of those and so th those little things I remember happening uh, through the course of YouTube over the years, but anymore, I've sort of just, um, I've rather than just upload a video for the sake of uploading a video, I've really just taken a break, especially yeah. on my main channel, the flick pick uh, recently. I, I like, I haven't uploaded a video in over a month. Mm -hmm. um, and the last video I uploaded was like a black Friday video. Um, and I just needed to take a break. But what I yeah. do now is I, I do like a weekly live show on my, on my second channel. And that's like the most enjoyable thing I've yeah. ever done on YouTube. Yeah, just easy and chill. And it's the same. It's kind of like yeah. this with, with me, this podcast. is like that outlet for me to just be able to sit and chill, talk to cool people, and just talk about shit that might not get me views on any other kind of video. Um, and I just feel, I feel like you need that kind of outlet and you feel like you can just kind of maybe be yourself a little bit more or just um, no, not so much be yourself a little bit more, but kind of just be a little bit just looser and more, more relaxed about it. Yeah, it's it's this pure, unadulterated, free form go. I, I was so tired of I don't know if you do this when you make a video, but I fuck up a lot when oh, I yeah. talk oh, yeah. and I talk fast mm -hmm. and I try to get every little nuance, every bit of information yeah. while being as animated as I possibly can. And it's like, I don't breathe when I talk. And mm. I noticed I would repeat the same thing 87 times. Yep. Mm -hmm. I would, I would be editing that video and I would just hate myself. I'd be like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, you douchebag and say the sentence like a human being. Yep. Uh, and then during live streams, you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's like just 
it's freedom. Yeah, it's just that is the that's. I think that's part of the excitement of it all is that you can just. Yeah, there's that weird freedom of like, oh my god, I could I could fuck up and blow everything up at any minute now, but I'm enjoying <laughs> yeah. it. You know, um, I'm the same. Yeah. I will record a video, whether it's a film review or whatever, and I will find I've said the same thing five or six times, and you say, what what the hell? Like, stop rambling. And a lot of my earlier videos, I wouldn't have cut any of that out. So you'd have me sitting there, like, saying the same thing five or six times in a row, like, shut the fuck up when you go back and watch it, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's such, such, a, such a weird thing. Um, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I remember my early videos where I would, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, I would just talk, and whatever was in there, I would put it in there with a really bad jump cut because I didn't know how to edit very well. <laughs> And then I got to that phase where I'd overthink everything and like try to edit it to perfection. But it was like, it was almost like taking away from yeah. my videos, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sort of just at the point where I'm just going to relax and talk and, and really just do the weekly live streams. And, and I love those because I don't get a hundred thousand views on the weekly live shows. I get, yeah. I get like a, an audience of like 10 to like 15,000 every video. Yeah. And I'm not going to like to some people, they compare that to like a, a video that gets 5 million views. I don't need that 5 million. I just need like, it, it still blows me away that 10,000 people go watch one video. Like, yeah. have you ever seen 10,000 people in one place? Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah I, it's I don't have five friends to rub together. I'll yeah. take 10,000 people <laughs> watching my stupid face yeah. for two hours, yeah. ramble on about nothing. Yeah. Um, so I love it. It's so fun. You know, I, I really enjoy it. And it's the one constant I make sure I do every week. And, I really started to do that because like the pandemic hit Mm. and I was like, well, people are stuck at home. They're probably bored. I know I'm bored. And it was like, it was like kind of a cool way to hang out. And uh, so I'm, I'm, it was was one of the best decisions I made as far as like YouTube goes in the last couple of years. And uh, do you, do you ever do live streams or do you always record or occasionally um, I'll do a live stream. I don't do that. I used to do quite a few of them. Not anymore. I just, I don't know. I just got, I got to get, be in the mood to do it. Um, yeah. and usually these podcasts, they're all pre-recorded and stuff, uh, but I don't edit these. I don't, I, it's very rare that I'll trim anything out of the podcast. So it's essentially is like a live stream where I will just throw it in the editing thing. I'll put a couple of titles on it, whatever, play around with the music or whatever it is. Um, put in graphics or like video or something. Um, but it's, I, I guess this is sort of my like live chat outlet, I suppose in, in that respect. Um, because it is, it is unedited it's raw and i'm happy to just kind of within reason you know do do whatever on here kind of thing yeah absolutely yeah it's podcasts are awesome man i mean that's it's my new favorite medium uh yeah yeah lately i, I just i find it so relaxing and I, I i've been wanting to really start a legitimate one for a while now and it just never never pans out i don't know it's yeah. just you know what it is i think when it comes down to it like the idea sounds great and i like being here right now but I'm one of those people that if now I know I have to do it Tuesday and I have um, a guest on yeah. now, all of a sudden I start getting anxiety and now <laughs> it almost starts to become an obligation yeah. until it happens. Yeah. And I, I like, I don't want to damper it with yeah. that. I guess you could say. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I will get, yeah. I'll get a bit nervous if I got a guest. It's not like a, like a nervous thing. Like oh, I don't want to do it sort of thing. It's always just like, Oh, what if I fuck up or what if I yeah. just, it's just that weird thing. I will wake up and you have that feeling in the, the pit of your gut and you're like, you know, I'm not a shy person or whatever, but it's almost like there's some weird sort of nerve in there 
that's just tugging away and you're like, oh, fuck, what is that? But then when you get on here and you're chatting away, you know, it's fine. It goes away straight away. And, you know, I've done, like, a lot of, like, um, interviews and, like, press junkets and stuff, whether that's for, like, the studios or whatever. I've been doing a lot for Disney recently and I'm really confident with them. I really love doing them, but I always just wake up with that feeling in, in the pit of your gut and you can't, you can't explain it. You can't explain it away. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'd love to talk about that for a second. And mm-hmm. I, I want you to tell me the biggest celebrity you got into interview. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you mine. Right. So back in 2014, I was invited to a press junket for the new Sean Bean TV show. It was called yeah. like legends or something. Not that great of a show, yeah. but keep in mind, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. Just a few years before this, I was living in my parents' basement. Yeah. I was a guy who liked movies. Now I'm invited out to LA. They're paying me, putting me up in this five-star hotel to interview Sean Bean. Mm. They built a studio for me to interview Sean Bean, <laughs> like a prison cell type thing. Yeah. It looked like the interrogation cell from the, the Dark Knight. Yeah. So I that whole morning, I felt like I was going to shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I almost did, I feel like, the whole time. But as soon as he came in there, I was like, I did a pretty good job on the interview. And it, the video's up on my channel. And uh, it was like afterwards, I, I was so sweaty. My armpits were like like little <laughs> swamps. Yeah. Like I was just dripping profusely. Uh, but afterwards, I was like so relieved. And I was like, mm. wow, I fucking did it. Like yeah. I, inter- I interviewed Sean Bean. Like that's yeah. cool to me. Like 006, you know, Ned Stark. I, I, and he didn't die during the inter- interview, which was always <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, I just that was like surreal to me. That was the first yeah. big like Hollywood experience mm. I ever had. What? what but I'd love to know yours. Ah, uh, gee, I've done, I haven't done it. There's not a lot of opportunities to do like the one-on-one kind of junket things. I've mm-hmm. done a lot of like red carpet stuff, but luckily with the pandemic this year, it's opened up like virtual sort of junket things. I got oh, to yeah, do yeah. one with um, Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins last year. Um, it was sort of like a, like a round table thing. So there's a bunch of other press in there, but you got your turn to kind of talk to them, whatever. Um, I've done a, I did a red carpet with Russell Crowe years ago like going oh, back wow. three or four years ago actually no it'll be longer than that because before i was even doing my channel six or seven years ago some random movie that he did um and i've done i, in, I interviewed angela jolie i did the like red carpet of the um maleficent 2 premiere when i was over in the uk a couple of years ago but i haven't had any like kind of weird experiences or anything luckily um but really? it's just it's always that weird kind of nervous i always go into the interview just going like these are just a normal people doing a job that's just a little bit different, vastly different to what everyone else is doing. But that's kind yeah. of the mind frame that I go into them with. Um, but it is it is always there's that thing. It just feels so so kind of nerve wracking. But I feel like once it, once it actually starts, it that adrenaline kicks in and you don't even think about it. You're just like on this weird like autopilot thing. And you're right. You come out the back end and you're like, it's fucking done. I'm so done. Um, and the, yeah. ma- the Maleficent one, actually, because that was in in London, um, I was li- I lived over there for a couple of years, and the junket there that was the first one where it was like good treatment, where you get put up in the hotel, and then you do the the red carpet that night, and the next day was like the the press conference thing, um, and that whole kind of experience, that was like the worst I was feeling, like in the gut, like sitting in the hotel room just waiting, just even to do the red carpet thing, is like so just so weird like getting treated so well ready to go out and do this thing and it's just like uh, just this sense of dread so excited but you're just so just dreading it i think maybe part of that is because you don't really quite get told what's going to happen who you're actually going to be able to talk to 
whether you're going to be able to talk to like the big stars, but it's just this weird bundle of nerves that kind of gets all jumbled up in there. Yeah. And it's always harder when it's not a good movie. <laughs> oh, exactly right. Yeah. Like if it's a great movie, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. movie is great. I just yeah. watched it. Like good yeah. job. Will Smith, Tom Cruise, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's how I always felt about it too. But you know, I have this weird thing, um, but I look really red right now. I assure you I'm not sunburned. It's I think the lighting, <laughs> the, the blue yeah. lights in the background and are making like the camera weird. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I forgot what I was going to say there. Uh, what were we talking about? Junkets and stuff. And oh, we're talking to people and it's uh, not a great movie. Oh, yeah. Do you find it like when you when you interviewed Gal Gadot? Yeah. Uh, I, I, was that for Wonder Woman yeah. uh, 84? Yeah. I, I assume. Do you almost prefer like if it was in person than over rather than over like Skype or something? I feel like there's something odd. Like there's a disconnect yep. when you have to speak yep. to someone over Skype. It feels like there's a weird delay mm-hmm. and you can't read people as yeah. quickly or as well. Yeah. And the chemistry is like not quite there. Um, yeah, that's I, I almost feel like it's more awkward over like video. Yeah. But the weird thing I found with that one in particular um, was that she was on like a, she was in a soundstage, white backdrop. It was like really professional, whatever. And I watch so many of these interviews and stuff on, online. You just see them everywhere and stuff. And I'm sitting there kind of talking to them and it didn't feel real. It's almost like I'm just sitting here on my laptop watching them do an interview, but I'm actually in it and I'm doing it. But at the same time, it's we- it just didn't feel like it's such a weird thing. Yeah, I think being in person is such is is vastly, vastly different experience. Yeah, I, I know that you like step outside of your own being for a minute. Yeah. You're like, but also from a celebrity standpoint, it's it's a press junkets to promote the product yeah. that they're in, but it almost feels like it's like an automated response system. Like yeah, she could yeah. have recorded like five responses <laughs> and just sparse them out to the interviewers. Yeah. So you almost want to throw like a curveball, but mm. not like uh, something to be offensive, but just something <laughs> to like spark it up a little yeah. bit, you know? Um, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's just my thing. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think the same thing. They've got like this set of things they're allowed to say, things they're not allowed to say. But yeah, in that particular situation, there is that weird, like, it doesn't feel like you're talking to the person. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, like you said, automated. It's it's a, just a weird experience sort of thing. Yeah. Particularly like in a that. cyborg, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. I think, I mean, like, for, for younger people coming up or younger people to the platform, um, it's hard to give tips and tricks and stuff when everything changes so quickly. Um, but if anyone kind of asks you for any tips or anything, just in general, like what would you usually, it, starting starting a new channel, starting, what do you, I mean, it's such a hard, it's such a loaded question. It really. is, but I can, give, I can give you an answer. Yeah. Uh, I would say, first of all, have something to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have nothing to say, if you're going to repeat the same basic five bullet points that 10 other thousand people have said, then don't push record on that video. There's, yeah. you have nothing new to add to this conversation, but if you can add something new, have, have a unique opinion, or even if your opinion is not necessarily the most unique, have a presentation that's mm-hmm. unique, have a personality. Yeah. Um, also, you know, as you know, you got the cool RGB lights, a cool microphone there. Professionalism always helps yeah. good video, good audio. That's a given. Okay. We'll yeah. just 
there you go. That's a given for whatever the hell you're doing on YouTube. Um, I would also say if you're a new guy to YouTube and you don't have an established audience, being topical will never hurt you. Yeah. That is how you gain traction. Mm. That is how you get new subscribers. You you gain them by whatever people are searching for that popular thing that week. Uh, I assure you, uh, when I was talking about movie news videos for a couple of years and I was doing it like every few weeks and these were just like, uh, the new Batman suit was leaked. Uh, this is a speculative video about nothing, yeah. but they blew up because mm. that gets people that gets yeah. the juices flowing. So I would say be topical as you possibly can. And at first be consistent yeah. uh, because you, these people want to know, okay, I, he's going to be, I'll subscribe because he's putting out new videos. He doesn't just have two videos and yeah. I'm going to waste my, my, the time it takes to click the subscribe button. Uh, so that's another bonus um i would say those are the the biggest things i just sometimes i see people that make videos and i'm just like it looks like they don't even want to be it looks like they have a gun to their head like they don't want to be there yeah Uh, and maybe they're nervous maybe they're shy but those are hurdles you need to overcome um and like i said speak to your audience like they're in the room with you have a conversation yeah perfect brilliant that's everything i've found too i mean you do learn it you're going to make mistakes at the beginning. You're going to make mistakes, bro. I still make mistakes now. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and it's it's okay because they're the hurdles that, that help you. And it's the best playing ground for that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I've found recently, like, I do a lot of, like, news things as well. And because my, like, uh, uh, editorial videos, like, little documentary things on cartoon characters do so well, like, hundreds of thousands of views, I found that now doing, like, a cartoon new, like a video on something that's been announced about some cartoon or whatever will get big views. So that's kind of where my topicality comes into everything uh, these days. But I'm, I'm personally trying to work harder to be more topical. But I always say to people, if like someone's like, oh, my reviews aren't taking off, whatever, you kind of look and you go, well, you're reviewing films from 20 years ago. People are not searching for that. you got to review what people are searching for, not something that like someone's going to stumble across sort of thing. Yeah, it's one of those, like, if you're new, you you got to get new people in there. And once you have them there, you can mm. sort of do what you want to yeah. do because they're there. You have a yeah. base and you can play around and, and make mistakes and do that review of a movie from 1982 or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, but at first, don't expect to get a lot of traction from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm do as I say, not as I do, because <laughs> lately I have been inconsistent as shit. Yeah. Uh, I have not been topical as I probably should. Uh, and I know the formula, like yeah. the formula is like, talk about movie news, rumors, have a really good juicy thumbnail mm. that like, <laughs> Oh, you got to click that shit because what's that arrow pointing to? I don't know. Probably yeah. nothing, but I'm clicking it uh, and put a circle around something. Uh, so, you know, things like that. It's the formulas there. Catchy mm. thumbnail, topical uh but don't disappoint them once they do click the video give them what they clicked on but give them a little more and give them enough to make them subscribe to come back for more later Mm -hmm. beautiful Mm -hmm. beautiful tips beautiful it's funny you i remember like the first like even the first few videos uploaded and you drop it and you're like yes people are gonna start clicking on it (laughs) when people are gonna click on it and it doesn't happen you're like oh it can be really deflating at first but you're right once you get that once you're able to, to grab that audience and there is guaranteed that there's going to be some people click on that, whether that's more or less or whatever, you know, it's fun to, but do you find that you're able to play around a little bit more now with um, kind of the size of your, your um, subscribership 
I suppose, these days? Or do you still find it's a little bit risky to do something a little bit left field? It it depends. I mean, it really does. Uh, I, I notice sometimes I, anymore, do not look at your subscribers that you lose and gain every day. Yeah. Don't do that. I'm telling you right now, the best advice I can give you, look at it every like three months to see the see did it go up in three months okay good don't look at it every day it'll drive you crazy and it'll it'll probably upset you make you go in a spiral downward uh screaming uh, self-depreciation whatever i forgot your question (laughs) (laughs) i was was so stuck on losing oh yes um actually no i forgot your what was the question again Um, i'm sorry if you find it easier now to be able to just kind of play around and Yes. Great question. Great question. (laughs) Uh, Lately, I have been just playing around. Like the last video I uploaded was like a vlog video going to buy stuff on Black Friday just because I didn't feel like doing the sit down video. Yeah. Um, And on my second channel, I can kind of get away with murder over there. I have that's where I feel like that's where my hardcore longtime followers like I can do anything I want on that channel. And they're like, oh, it's just John being John. That's what I came here for. But on my main channel, the flick pick people subscribe there for like movie related, like reviews, movie news. And if I step so far outside of that boundary, I notice like the, the viewership there is a little bit more fickle at times. Uh, And maybe not everyone is as forgiving. I think I have a lot of like uh, passive subscribers over there. Um, And so I've noticed if I play around over there too much, it might not do as well. And it's, it's just a weird thing. Cause on my main channel, I have almost 300,000 subs on my other channel. I have a hundred thousand yeah. and sometimes I'll do a video on my smaller channel and it does much better. Yeah. I'll get more views on it. And I'm like, mathematically, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What is happening here? And it goes back to that algorithm thing. Yeah. So um, I will say though, you know, if you're new to YouTube, don't be afraid to play around. I mean, you have nothing to lose play around, see what you like doing the, the most uh, or the best and see what catches on and whatever catches on go that direction. Yeah. And, and just go with it. Stick to it. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Great tips. And I hope anyone who's listening out, they get something out of that. I'm sure they will. Um, I'm always like kind of thinking about my, the, my kind of content can be just so eclectic. Sometimes I do like, you know, an editorial one day, a movie review another day, um, something like this another day, uh, news another day. And I always feel like it's so eclectic that I don't know whether that's affecting my rate of growth or whatever. I always do like kind of think I need like a second channel as an outlet for kind of more of this kind of stuff. But then I feel like I'm not only 80,000 subscribers. I don't have like that big kind of backbone. I've, I almost feel like for me, it would be like starting all over again to do a second channel. I, I'm like so worried I wouldn't get the traction on that second channel. So then I end up dumping stuff like this on the main channel. It's like this weird double-edged sword kind of thing. Yeah, it, I think it all comes down to the type of subscriber. See, I don't know about you, but for me, like I subscribe to a channel because I I like people who do a little bit of variety. Yeah. Like I would like your channel because you you do the kind of like the video essay, the deep dive, then you do the podcast. It's it's always something new and fresh. It's yeah. like I think of like you you pay for a net Netflix subscription because you want variety. Mm-hmm. You want different things to watch and i see some channels that do the exact same formula for the last decade they do the same type of video same backdrop same cut same edits they're in they're out and they do very well for me personally and you i think you might be the same way that's boring to you like as a creator Mm -hmm. you want to keep 
being creative. Yeah. You, if you do the same thing, like what's the motivation to walk into your office and push record on that camera? Mm. I'm the same way. I got to keep doing things. I got to change my background. I got to change my lighting every year. I got to, yeah. I got to do something different or else I'm getting bored. Mm. And if I don't want to watch my own shit, who's going to want to watch it. So, yeah. so, so I think it all just comes to personal preference. My yeah. thing would be have fun making videos yeah. when you, when, when that dissipates, it's, it's going to be downhill from there. You're, yeah. it's not a good thing. So I would say, keep doing the variety thing. Mm. If that's what keeps you going, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I just, I feel like I love doing the big essays and stuff, but then it's like, I need a break. Cause some of these ones I do might take two or three weeks to do. And then I need some time to just do something as simple as sit in front of a camera or, you know, I've got this podcast every week, which is just a nice reprieve from having to think or write or edit something. Um, so yeah, I like that. And I do get a lot of people saying the variety thing, but you always do second guess yourself going, oh, should I move some of this over to another channel? <laughs> it's just nothing that I really want to, want to push just yet. Yeah. See, I made, I made a second channel, uh, like 10 years, nine, nine, 10 years ago. And I, cause I do a lot of weird things that don't relate to movies. Sometimes I was like, yeah. I got to dump this somewhere. And luckily enough, people liked it. And oddly enough, that was my first channel that actually got legitimately partnered with YouTube over wow. my main channel. Oddly enough. Um, but for you, like if, if it's all movie related, put it on the yeah. main channel. But maybe maybe you want to do like some quick st commentary. Maybe you want to do a quick vlog about like, yeah. you know, here's my new video I'm making. Here's how I'm doing it, you know, or whatever. Then I'd say put that on another channel if it's if it's going to if if you can truly dedicate time to that second channel yeah. and not abandon it after just yeah. a few videos. I, I would say, why not? Why not do it? Yeah. Lots to think about for sure. Yeah. Lots to think about, but for you, um, again, the whole variety thing and everything, what, ke what keeps you going? What keeps you doing this after 10 years? I know you've said you change it up a lot. Is that it? That's obviously a big part of it. Um, changing things up to keep, um, you know, being interested in it all, but what, what keeps your, your drive? Um, in doing this 10 pushing 11 years on i think i'm just doing society a favor by staying away from the social settings of a normal <laughs> workplace and yeah. i'm really in the comfort of my own home uh really i just like to wear underwear when i work yeah. i mean that's yeah. that's really it and honestly like after doing this for so long it in all honesty the serious answer is i can't think of another job and i'm yeah. if you're listening i'm holding up my bunny ears right now <laughs> another job that encompasses everything i'm good at or like to do like yeah. movies graphic design creativity uh public speaking making witty stupid douchebag jokes occasionally just doing little creative bits here and there um it, it just gives me an outlet to to do all of those things and i i don't know what else i would do if it if it wasn't for this yeah yeah that's perfect i think so um, I, I would say the same thing for myself. It's like, I, I love doing it. There's, you got your highs, you got your, we've spoken about a lot of lows, but at the end of the day, it's fun. And if it's working, you keep doing it. I mean, I've only been doing it half, less than half the time you've been doing it. Um, but you find new ways to be energized about it every day, I think. And yeah, absolutely. And the thing is like, I never, I never have a, a shortcoming of like uh, new ideas or video ideas I want to make. Yeah. Uh, I have a book of hundreds of ideas mm -hmm. and concepts and things I've wanted to do for years. The biggest hurdle is 
sometimes like the the motivation yeah. to, to do it like finding, that's finding the, right that's time. the biggest that de- yeah it's the biggest yeah. detriment of like being your own boss yeah and also like that, that fear of like putting something out that people don't like what if they don't like it you know mm. uh that's always been the biggest i've been my biggest worst enemy on youtube i yeah. i can admit that i really yeah. have there's been so many times i should have done videos and like i kick myself in the ass like a, a year later that i didn't do it because i'm like that would have been like a great video and people would have watched it and I didn't do it. And the time has passed. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but no, I, yeah, that, that's my only big regret with like YouTube thus far, but nevertheless, there's so many ideas I want to make and uh, like timeless ideas. Oh, another thing you, you could throw to people new on YouTube. You can be topical. That's great. Yeah. But topical videos only stay relevant for so long. Oh, yeah. The key is to make, timeless videos Mm -hmm. those are like the backbone of any channel i still have videos on my channel i made five years ago that are about like the best 20 minute the the, my favorite 20 movies of all time whatever but they continue to always Mm -hmm. grow and they will never go away or dissipate and people will probably always search for something like that so have a blend of those two things yeah Yeah. well i find um even at my level 80 85 percent of my ad revenue comes from old stuff comes from yeah. stuff I did two years ago. And I imagine, yeah, it would be exactly the same for you, especially with 10 years worth of content there in the bank. Yeah. Sometimes I get every once in a while and not recently, once again, the YouTube algorithm, but yeah. uh, I remember there's some videos that YouTube recommended randomly five-year-old videos that mm. just blew yeah. up. And yep. it was like a video that went from 30,000 views to 180,000 views in the course yeah. of like a month or two. And that's always really cool when that happens. And, um, I wish that happened more often, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely get a good catalog of videos that, yep. uh, you know, people want to go back and revisit rather than the the big movie news of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Well, talking about movie news of the week, do you want to talk some movie news? Hell yes, I do. There's been, there's <laughs> been a little bit going on. Um, yeah. Not a whole, like this last year has been weird for movie news. It's usually this movie's been delayed, this movie's been cancelled, this movie's... But I feel like it's kind of ramping up a little bit now uh, Now that we're getting more films are starting to come back out, films are going back into production. There's a lot of stuff that is kind of going on. Uh, the biggest thing of this week, I think, well, one of the biggest things, Disney has shut down Blue Sky Studios. Did you hear this one? This is the um, animation studio that was behind Ice Age, Spies in Disguise, they did stuff like the Peanuts movie, Rio, uh, Epic, Robots... Uh, this was a animation house that was owned by Fox. So obviously when Fo- when Disney merged with Fox, they acquired um, Blue Sky Studios. And this week, they've decided to shut it down. Did you hear this oh. one? Yeah. I, I, did not, I did not hear that. What uh, besides maybe are they consolidating studios and, well, and may, maybe doing something like that? Or? Well, they've said well, there's uh, 450 staff members at Blue Sky who will be affected by this. And the article that came out it was from one of the trades. Noted, I think it was Deadline noted that Disney had no plans of reallocating the artists into Disney or Pixar, but were looking to um, relocate them to overseas studios, uh, which is a bit. <laughs> well, we can find work for you, but you may have if to move you- overseas. Yeah, if you move to India, uh, <laughs> we might get you a deal down the road for Frozen Part Eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh well that I I don't put anything past Disney no, anymore. No. Um well this yeah. this studio has been going for 33 years. It's only been like the last 20 odd that they've been doing feature films. They did like a lot of VFX for films and stuff. Um 
But out of, I don't know how many movies they'd done, maybe 20-odd, maybe a little bit less, they only made $6 billion in global box office receipts in their entire life. That's a lot of money, but in today's terms, you've got like the Avengers that's making $2 billion on one film. You have the studio that's made a vast catalogue. It's only made $6 billion. Their films continue to underperform. The only ones that have really done well are the Ice Age films. Um, so you can kind of understand why they've decided this studio is not, you don't want to say not relevant, but it's just not fe- fe- not feasible to keep it open. Yeah, what, what's the monetary gain there? What's yeah. the business aspect of it that doesn't make any... Yeah, so from that viewpoint, I guess... It's just a bad business investment. Yeah. But, you know, if all 400 of those people came together and found one backer, one mm. production company that would like them to be their their in-house uh, animation team or whatever, yeah. uh, if they came together, I'm sure they could form their own small yeah. niche studio. I mean, there's 400 plus people with that much yeah. experience. It seems like they could formulate something uh, to work off of there. Well, you hear about that all the time, you know, whether yeah. it's people who they leave a studio in a max mass exodus or, you know, people get laid off by the hundreds and then they go and they form their own studio. And that happens all yeah. the time. You go back to like, even like the 1940s, people leaving Walt Disney's studio um, and then going off and starting their own ventures or someone like Don Bluth who led a mass exodus from Disney in the 1980s and then went and like started his own animation studio, which rivaled Disney for a while there. So I feel like maybe something like that definitely could happen. And, the probably the saddest part, other than you know 450 people being out of work, they were working on a film, um, which had like 10 months worth of work left, and Disney has said no, we're not going to continue production on that. Wow, what what was it like? Uh, uh, it's called Ice Age Part Seven. <laughs> no, it was an original <laughs> one. It's called Nimona, okay. and it was based on like a, I think it's based on some sort of graphic novel sort of thing, um, or like a comic series. Um, but apparently, like, all the artists have come out and said, oh, yeah, we're doing something really special with this movie. It was going to be really, you know, really great. Uh, but they've put that, they've, you know, they've, they've probably been working on this movie for years now, and they've just thrown the axe down on it. Really? I, yeah, I'm curious what the, the, the cost to finish it would have been if yeah. it would be worth it. it. It seems like if it was salvageable, they may have yeah. done it. But it also seems like... Like, why can't Netflix step in and say, you know what? Yeah. Here's here's your $40 million you need yeah. to finish the movie. You do it. We get the rights. And so be it. We'll move on with our lives. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm intrigued by how far they were along in that movie. How yeah. close was it to uh, finishing production? Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, you you also got to take, you also got to wonder whether the movie was actively in production or whether they halted the production over the pandemic mm. for 12 months. Because, yeah. um, you know, a, a lot of the, the Disney and the Pixar films that are in production at the moment, they all, all the animators were working on them remotely from home, but with the smaller studio like Blue Sky, whether they were actually doing that or whether they had the production on halt for a year, maybe it's just costing them too much to have the production halted or you just, you'd never know what's going on behind the scenes. But I feel like, I feel like it, this was kind of expected maybe that Disney would do this. I mean, they've got two big animation studios today. Like, do they need a third, particularly if it's not, like, performing very well? Yeah, I mean, when you compare, like, Pixar and, mm. and Disney's Disney's in-house animators to, like, something by the team that makes, like, Ice Age, it's yeah. sort of it's sort of like the thir- third tier easily. Yeah. And maybe they're just like, well, we don't – those would be, like, straight to DVD quality films to us. <laughs> um, so maybe in that regard. But there's – I mean, I could – 
it's surprising like maybe they don't get a deal with i don't know like universal or yeah. another studio that needs uh, a team of animators yeah. i don't know well, it's gonna be interesting to to follow that one um a big anime sort of animated film semi-animated film sonic the hedgehog 2 was sort of announced this week. Well, they'd announced that they were doing it, but they did their big title reveal of the film this week. Oh, guys, we're going to reveal the title for the film. And it was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Ooh, well, yeah. that's, uh, that is clever <laughs> stuff. I like that. There yeah. you go. So that's coming out April, 8th of April, 2022, which is like just two years after the first one. What did you, did you see the first Sonic? I did. I did. I didn't hate it. I yeah. don't think it was offensively bad, but I also... I have this pet peeve. Uh, I hate when they take like these crazy larger than life characters from like video games or another universe. And what do they do with them? They throw them in a small town in the middle of the USA. I'm like, (laughs) is that really what we wanted to see Sonic doing? Like running around in cornfields? No, I want to see him doing loops and grabbing gold coins. And, and it it did feel like uh, the ending to Sonic Definitely is the where I wanted to see the yeah. first movie at. But if they go that direction with the second movie with Jim Carrey being the crazy zany Dr. Robotnik uh, and it's in like another dimension in Sonic's homeland or something, fine by me. That sounds great. I just hope they do that. Yeah. yeah What'd you I, think about it? Um, I liked it. I was the same. It's one of those movies. It's just like innocent. It's enjoyable. Um, it's not fantastic. It's not something you're going to watch over and over again. Um, But it was like, I'm not... I'm not huge. I'm not a huge gamer, but Sonic is something that I played like when I was a kid, like all the time. I loved it. And I just yeah. love those simple games. You know, I'm not one that will play something like The Last of Us or something like that. Um, so that was that was fun for me to be able to you know, spend some time with Sonic in the film or whatever. But it was just like a nice, in- innocently enjoyable film. Um, but it's interesting <clears throat> that it's going to open next April. Um, especially with everything that's happened over the last 12 months, you would have thought a lot of films have been halted or whatever. And this is going to come out in like a year's time from now, like a little bit longer than a year. Um, I feel like maybe it's a little bit ambitious to be coming out and going, yes, we're going to have this out in like a year's time. Or I don't know. What it, it's, it's just weird because we keep getting these studios putting stuff off, putting stuff off, putting stuff off. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on that? The, from a business standpoint, you got to say a release date or yeah. else what's the point of even saying anything at all. So, yeah. but, <clears throat> but, but from a guy who likes movies and a guy who trusts no one, whatever <laughs> release date they give you, don't plan on going to see the movie that day because yeah. there's probably like a 58% <laughs> chance it's not going to happen. Yeah. Even some of the release dates they keep pushing out now, like Black Widow, the new Fast and Furious movie, like, uh, you know, a lot of movies that are supposed to come out in the next few months that these were already delayed three or mm. four times. I don't see them coming out. I don't, I don't really see anything as a guarantee until after this summer. Yeah. Um, You know, I I feel like maybe by then things will have a bit of normalcy, but until then I just, it's, it's, it's chaos and anarchy right now. So even wasting your time or your marketing tactics on putting the new release date for May 22nd, uh, 2021, it's, I don't see that happening. I I, I think that would be a bad business move. Um, So, but by 2022 i could i could see yeah sonic coming out yeah have to quickly film it and i mean it doesn't take that long like three or four months to shoot a film especially going to be something small like that who knows that might have less of like the live action element and just be sonic running around hills and getting who 
coins and stuff. You just never know. Yeah. It could be something they're working yeah. on right now, animating whatever. Throw Jim Carrey in front of a green screen in someone's garage, film the movie, yeah. let let the, the, <laughs> the get the get the production team that was just fired to make it. Exactly and, right. And and you're there good you go. to go, man. Go yeah. Film. Yeah. Um talking about video game movies, um, The Last of Us. Have you played are you a big game or anything like that? Have you played The Last of Us? I'm so I just recently got back into playing uh on PC. I, I play Call of Duty. It's yeah. it's it's a detriment to my own humanity. I, I <laughs> scream, I cry, I get so angry and frustrated that yeah. I literally I think my neighbors call the police in the middle of the night on me. I uh, <laughs> but I enjoy it nevertheless. Yeah. So that's the only game I really play recently. Yeah. But um I, I the last of us news did intrigue me. Tell me more. Wow, we've got uh, they've announced the the two the two leads for the show. It's again a weird thing. All yesterday afternoon, or my time, yesterday morning, yesterday afternoon, my time. There are these rumors. Mahershala Ali has been cast as Joel in The Last of Us. For hours. These rumors went on and went on and went on. And then at one point in the afternoon, it was oh no, Pedro Pascal has just been announced as Joel in The Last of Us. So it's this weird sort of thing where maybe the trades got their wires crossed or something, or maybe this just happened yesterday where Mahershala was announced for was offered it and they ran with it and then he said no and then they offered uh, who knows but anyway pedro pascal has been announced as joel is the lead one of the leads from the last of us and bella ramsey who played liana moment from game of game of thrones which i've not watched so i don't even know if that's how to pronounce the character name um but she will play ali who's the who's the young girl in that as well I was going to ask your thoughts on casting and stuff, but you haven't really you haven't played the game or anything like myself. I haven't played the game, but what yeah. do you, this is this is a series actually that's in the works for HBO. What do you think about? Yeah, it? no, the series concept. I know a little bit about the story of The Last of Us. I, yeah. I never really played the game, but I've seen cut scenes and things like that over the years. And it always seemed like Hugh Jackman would would be like the fitting roles if you could cast him like ten years ago. Yeah, um, but. As far as this new casting, especially for like a TV series, Pedro Pascal can do no wrong when it comes to like a TV series. Yeah, The Mandalorian, uh, being a protector of a small child, we know he's <laughs> he can excel at that. Uh, starring in a Wonder Woman movie, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I I like him as the older uh, the the older adult. The little girl. The last time I saw her was in the Game of Thrones, where she plays yeah. like kind of a. Uh, she plays like a little girl who's like a 40 year old woman, basically with her mentality, like the way she orders people around in game of Thrones. Um, So I don't, I don't, I haven't seen enough of her, uh, her work uh, to really judge it, but um, I think it's interesting casting choices. uh, And I think it works. I, I I think they're, they're at least inspired casting choices. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people have been saying you hear a lot of the people wanting Hugh Jackman or whatever, but it's kind of like, well, he's the obvious choice. So do you go with the obvious choice or do you go with someone who's maybe a little bit of left field, who's going to bring something new to the character and not going to be like a one-for-one remake of the game uh, sort of thing? Um, I really like Pedro Pascal. I think he's been fantastic in everything I've seen him in. I do he's really good in in, uh, Narcos. Um, So I'd be interested. It's a game that I've been interested in or like wanting to play. I have a copy of it. I got it for free with my PlayStation 4. However many years ago I bought it, still in its shrink wrap sitting down there. And some of the people keep saying, you got to play it. I'm like, I don't have the time to play it. 
I don't have like that mental capacity to be able to like sit there for however long to play this story-driven game sort of thing. So maybe this like HBO Max series would like do it for me. I'll just be able to like watch the series and feel like I know what what I'm talking about. I feel like I've you know been part of the experience somehow. Yeah, or on a positive note, the fact that you never played the games now this well, yeah. is like a new experience yeah. to where you can just enjoy the show and not know exactly what happens yeah. every five seconds. Yeah, exactly. So. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm yeah. glad I didn't play the game now because yes, I would yep. get a, a show. I just hope the show's good. Yeah. The, but the setting of it, like the post-apocalyptic wasteland, mm. like I love that kind of setting for any story. I think it just immensely elevates it in, like right away. And um, yeah, it, it sounds really interesting. I'm really, I'm, I'm glad a studio like HBO got a hold of it Yeah, because I know they will at least probably yeah. do it justice. I think so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. It's like the same sort of thing, like where you see a movie without having seen the book. Everyone's like, "Oh, you haven't read the book, you don't understand it." I'm like, "No, I'm just happy to watch the movie and just not know what's going to happen." I hate having read the book or whatever. It's like spoilers, sort of thing. Um, I'm like, I, I do read a lot, but I feel like going into a movie and you haven't read the source material or played it. It is. It's a little bit more exciting. Oh, always, always. Unless, yeah, I, I can rarely think of a time where. I think as a kid, I read the book of, uh, no, I was going to say I read Shawshank Redemption, the, the novella yeah. by Stephen King, but the movie's much better. Yeah. So never, the yeah. movie is better. Yeah. Don't read the book. kids. Better. Just watch no. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I read that. I, I can't remember. Maybe I did read that before I saw the film. I can't remember. There was, yeah. I, there was a stage where I was younger where I would read the book before the movie. I was like, oh, I have to read the book. But no, really? Uh, yeah. Really? I was never that kid. I was yeah. like, I'll watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. the shine, the shining I read after I saw the film, um, I watched, um, no, sorry. I read the Stephen King's novella of stand by me. What was it called? The body. I think the novella was called. Yeah. Uh-huh. I read that before the movie. I hated the novella. It goes mm-hmm. off on this weird tangent in the middle, like a character's telling a story and then there's like 30 pages of that character, of the story that the characters tell. I hated it. I hated the book. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched the movie, I didn't like the movie. I think because I didn't like the book. But oh, it's really? Like one of those okay. movies that everyone loves. So I think maybe that was the point for me. It was like, no, I have to just go into these things blind sort of thing. Yeah. I'll, I gotta say, I never will get a chance to say this again. I'll tell you one movie that was really bad, mm-hmm. but the book, when I read the book, I imagined this most, the most epic sea adventure of all time. And it was called, uh, the, the movie is called the Meg with J- Jason yeah, yeah. Statham. I'm Jason Statham. I'm going to fight a shock today. <laughs> uh, but, but the book by Steve Alton, I believe the book, when you read it, it sounds like this, the most epic adventure under the sea you've ever read in your life. It sounds like it could have been like this $500 million movie. And it wasn't like this hokey, jokey Jason Statham movie. And then you see the movie and you're like, this isn't even comparable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ugh. It's a, yeah. You get, you get that a lot though, where they, they grab the book as, and they they don't adapt the book. They just use the source material. They take the they take the. You get it with all the James Bond films, all those early James Bond films. They take the title from the book, and they might take like a little seed of an idea, and then just do whatever the hell they want with it. And like you got such great source material there, and you just done yeah. whatever else sort of thing. I, yeah, it baffles me sometimes. They don't just utilize what they already have. Like yeah if it worked the first time and people liked it, just <laughs> copy and paste it. it. I mean, Hollywood's lazy, right? Why <laughs> don't exactly you, right. why don't you just copy and paste it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, another big TV sort of thing. This was a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, but I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week is that Ryan Coogler with his production company, uh, proximity media 
signed this massive five-year exclusivity deal for television with Disney. Um, and this is to produce Marvel shows and kind of other things. Um, the article that this came out in, one of the trades uh, wrote that um, it includes one based in the Kingdom of Wakanda for Disney+, and then uh, enables him to develop television series for other divisions of the company as well. Um, oh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. I'm, I'm curious about some of the projects. Yeah. The, the one that sound, sounded like it had the most detail was the Wakanda show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like Wakanda is an interesting backdrop, mm. but if it's not relating to Black Panther in the Wakanda city itself, yeah. what I, is it like about the guy who works at the convenience store in <laughs> Wakanda? And the, it's like clerks, <laughs> but in Wakanda, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I would be intrigued. Um, some, sometimes with the Disney shows, it feels like, like they're reaching for yeah. things to put in there. Mm -hmm. And I wish they didn't do that because it's going to sour people. Yeah. Um, but Hey, maybe it could be great. Um, it's, it, it could be, it's a cool backdrop. I like that. But mm. uh, as, as far as like the premise, I'd, I'd like to know more info once it comes out. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much all they, they really gave. I'm pretty sure I read something else um, that said it was, yeah, it's like going to just focus on the people of Wakanda. Um, but who knows? That might end up being some sort of fully fledged black Panther sort of thing. Not too sure. It intrigues me. Um, I'm interested to see. I mean, I, I'm a big Marvel fan, so I'm always intrigued. I love Ryan Coogler as a filmmaker. So it's really interesting to see. I think that the part that gets me most excited is not particularly the Wakanda stuff, the Marvel. Like, there's so much Marvel stuff to get hyped about now or to even comprehend is coming out over the next, like, even three years. I don't want to know about more Marvel stuff. I'm, I'm kind of interested about what other things he's going to do for for disney or for disney plus well it's obviously going to be disney plus because it's television um i think that's the thing that gets me most intrigued maybe is what else he's going to do there and what he can can bring to the the lineup of stuff that's going out i think yeah it makes you wonder like in a uh, a producer uh capacity what he's going to be doing uh or just oh, the thing is like uh like john favreau like he's like the back backbone of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Like he should be in charge of everything Disney related on mm -hmm. Disney plus or everything star Wars related yeah, yeah. on Disney plus. Uh, so it makes me wonder what capacity Ryan Coogler is going to handle yeah. for the Marvel shows. By the way, speaking of the Marvel shows, which one are you most like uh, anticipated? Oh, to see? well, <clears throat> I was thinking, uh, I was thinking uh, like Loki was one that just looks really fun. But after mm -hmm. we got this trailer for the Falcon of the winter soldier, I'm so pumped for that. And that's actually what, what I was going to talk about uh, next, oh. actually. So that's a good segue. Okay. Good, good. Um, But, yeah, I I got really hyped by that. Going back a week ago, I think it was, like, one of the lowest things on my radar, only because it just feels like the safest thing that Marvel's doing at the moment. Everything else, you look at WandaVision, how that's opening new doors, it's going in weird kind of directions, doing something completely different to what else Marvel's doing. And then you've got Falcon of the Winter Soldier. It just feels like what they've been doing for the last 10 years. But after that trailer, man, I'm really hyped for that show. What about, what about yeah. you? I, it's, yeah, I would. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer, though, because yeah. I just i am in this weird mindset of, like, savoring the flavor. Yeah. Um, and I do want to see it because I, I just hope that they get this and maybe they they this came across in the trailer, but I love, like, a buddy team-up type yeah. movie. Yeah. And I hope they, they get that across in the show where they're sort of like the odd couple at times. Mm, yeah. Um, but 
is I saw the one I did see the one clip from one uh, trailer that came out a while ago where Falcon was like flying through a canyon with mm-hmm. like eight thousand explosions yeah. behind him, and I was like the the production for this the the yeah. budget looks nice. I like that. That yeah. looks it doesn't look cheap. That's for sure. So I I would say it's oddly enough my most anticipated uh, show. Uh, Loki at one point was, but this just looks like it's going to be more fun. Just yeah. I think so. It's going to be like a cinematic movie every every week that you get a new episode. Yeah, well, that's that's the weird thing about it. Like, even you talk about Mandalorian or even what? Have you been watching WandaVision at all? So, yeah, I watch I watch the first two episodes, which I guess arguably are probably the weakest yeah. thus far of the entire series. Yeah, and it just did not excite me enough yeah. to keep to watching keep it. And I was like, whatever twists and turns come out, spoil it for me. I don't care. Yeah. I, I want to know them, but I don't want to watch the show to get them. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. It's definitely going in completely different direction now. It feels more Marvel, more MCU, sort uh, of bigger, grander. And uh, what I was going to say was that the production values on these things are outstanding, and it is like you're mm-hmm. watching a film. And particularly, mm-hmm. well, the first couple of episodes of WandaVision were like 20 minutes long. The most recent ones have been like 40 minutes. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be, well, WandaVision's nine, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be six, but that's because they're full, like 40, 50 minute episodes. So he's going to be like sitting and watching a, a mini Marvel film every week. But the, the production value on them is, is outstanding. For like a television show, what we're so used to seeing on television, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that, Mm-hmm. It's just even just sitting there and watching like, oh, it's like I'm watching a film and then it ends in 40 minutes. It's like, shit, I'm not watching a film, I'm watching TV. Show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it's a, definitely a stark contrast between the Disney Plus series and like something like on the CW. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Like it looks it looks like it was shot in my backyard with like some props <laughs> you found at like uh, the salvage store of Goodwill yeah. or something. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I remember watching some episodes of the Mandalorian mm. um, and there's a few sequences where I was like, this looks better than like what the star Wars movies have done in the last yeah. 10 years yeah. at times. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Uh, so Disney plus is, I feel like they're doing what they should mm. be doing. And absolutely. I feel like they justified their, their subscription price thus far. Yep. So, which I didn't think I'd say that. So <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, I think so. I, I definitely think so. I think maybe the first year, a little lackluster, very like not a lot of content coming out, but I feel like we're finally at that point now. Well, a week after WandaVision ends, Falcon and the Winter Soldier starts. A week after that ends, we get Loki. A week after that ends, you know, it's just going to keep rolling out. Uh, but this Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer is amazing. If you want to go into it like fresh, I'd say just wait like four weeks until you see it. But the production value on it is insane. I think that's what really got me hyped about it is because it just looks like a film and it feels so uh, visually similar to like the winter soldier, which is my favorite film from the MCU. And it's got me all kinds of hyped and just like, like explosions and stuff and that level of the caliber of acting they've got in there. And then what you were saying about like the, the dynamics between Falcon and Bucky, there's like that real comedic spark, odd couple kind of thing. I'm so excited for it. And um, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping some of the, the spinoff series, like sometimes in the Marvel universe, they, they have a status quo. They kind of have to stay on pace, but I'm hoping with the series, they can kind of just go off the rails and take yeah. a few more risks mm-hmm. than they ever would in the, the actual cinematic universe of it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm hoping they, they do that. And uh, yeah, I can't wait, man. And it's, it's kind of weird because I, I was so surprised like when they announced they're, they're going to have a, you know, um, 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show. I was like, yeah. they're going to take the guys from the movies and yeah. actually do a, a TV show. Like yeah. it's not Agent Coulson from, you know, yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, whoa, okay, they're really going for it. Yeah. And it's it's great that these actual big name celebrities, the actors are on board to do it. So, yeah. but anymore, isn't TV sort of the place actors want to be well, compared exactly to movies? Right. You've got all, yeah. the big, all the big actors doing television now. I think it's just, it's yeah. like their job. And I feel like there was a, like a, stigma with television maybe the 80s 90s early 2000s where you don't want to do tv because it's tv but the way that we've moved to consuming media now particularly in the last 12 months where everyone's at home watching tv like that's where it's going and i think at the end of the day for these guys it's like i'm just doing another job it probably doesn't feel any different to be on set to be making the falcon and the winter soldier than you know something like uh captain america's um sorry it might, might not feel any different for them to be doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier than doing like the Winter Soldier film. Might yeah. be a smaller crew or whatever else. But to these guys, probably just a job. And I feel like they don't, the money is probably pretty much the same. I mean, the, the Mandalorian first season was $100 million uh, dollars for, the, for the first season. So I wonder mm -hmm. if these ones have, have larger budgets. I don't know. But yeah, that's the thing that really got me with that trailer was like it felt like a film, felt like a, yeah. like a Winter Soldier sequel. Absolutely. Well, I, I would, I could only, I'm not an actor though. I pretend to be sometimes when I'm alone in the bathroom. I, I would imagine like from an actor standpoint, when you do a, a TV series, you get to sort of slow down the pace and savor all those little moments and you really get to act rather yeah. than be the, you know, the three minute subplot in the next Marvel movie. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. I can imagine it's always more of a bonus to actually present your craft. Um, but yeah, and that's what I like about series. They they can take mm. their time. They can they can talk about the subtleties and the little minute details and really draw them out. Um, so yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, that's I think that's what's really good with these at the moment is like they're focusing on these characters that might not have had that spotlight. The characters you really really like and you enjoy, like particularly Falcon Winter Soldier. The dynamics in the film's been really good, but you feel like it hasn't been fleshed out much. Smaller TV series is um, is a really good way to do that, and I'm just, I'm like so happy that Disney have given the okay to do that and not like put this in cinemas sort of thing. It's like such a weird risk, but it looks like it's paying off. Long long as people pay their eight dollars a month for the uh, the <laughs> Disney Plus service, they'll be more than happy. Exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, this trailer actually um, got 125 million views in 24 hours, which is a record for any trailer for any streaming service. And the previous one was WandaVision, which had 54 million. So that's over double. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. For <laughs> is, is that the record for any streaming service that's TV show? It's the record show? for any, any series? I assume it's series or movie from, from a streaming service. And this was the one wow. that was played at the, uh, the Super Bowl last week. 125 oh, million views wow. in 24 hours, yeah. Okay, well, I'm... It better be good now. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Um, we'll talk about DC. We'll move on to some DC. Um, jo uh, the Justice League, Zack Snyder, director's cuts coming out in a few weeks' time. Um, what are you thinking about this? I'm ready for it to happen so we can just watch it and stop <laughs> speculating, wanting, needing. Just just put that shit out. Let's yeah. watch it. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it is it just slightly better than the previous version? I can't talk about it anymore. I can't even yeah. like guess what <laughs> actually, I, I actually just did a live stream right before we did this podcast. Yeah. And I talked about the look of the new Joker yeah. and uh, it's, it's at a point where it's like, let's just watch the damn movie. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, the same. Are, 
I'm ready. I'm the same. I'm not huge on the DCEU. I mean, I love Batman. I love Superman. They're like the superheroes you grew up with as a kid. They're the only superhero movies you had as a kid, really. Um, so I, lo- I love I love the characters. I've not been flash out on the DCEU. But I'm someone who I think, um, even though I didn't really like Justice League, didn't like Batman v Superman, I, um, I will champion someone's right to be able to put their artistic vision out there and get the chance to complete their vision. So in that respect, I'm definitely going to support the film. I'll watch it, whether it's good or bad, you know, at this point. Who cares, really? Yeah, as long as they can salvage that train wreck of a movie they put yeah. out in 2017. Yeah. Was it 2017? Yeah. yeah, 2017. If they can just make it 10% better, somehow, some way, just mm-hmm. make it slightly better to justify all this hype and money that went into it, then I guess they succeeded. They made a they redid the movie and made it slightly better than yeah. so be it. I mean, if we can leave it off with that and that is the justice league movie that exists in history, then fine for the better. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll look forward to, well, look forward to checking it out. We'll see it. We'll see. It yeah. when it comes. I don't know when it's even coming out here. Cause you don't have HBO March. Yet, so. Oh, you don't. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to do like a theatrical thing here or I don't think so. Four hour movie. Uh, Man. Like a VOD type yeah, maybe, deal, maybe? Maybe. Hmm. We'll see. Interesting. Look, before we close out, uh, we'll take a couple of subscriber questions. A couple of people have sent in a couple of questions. We'll get through these pretty quickly and then close the show out. Um, we've got one from Blake Eisen, uh, who says, with the direct-to-streaming and cinema's same-day platform slowly uh, seeping to more services, what do you think will be the long-term effects on cinemas caused by this? Another very loaded question and one that I guess, I guess has come up a lot in the last 12 yeah. months or so. Uh, well, I guess specifically, I guess we'd talk about HBO Max releasing all of their movies straight to yeah. uh, their streaming service. I, right now, I I think right now it's, it's one of those things where uh, specifically like Warner Brothers, they don't, there's no other option. Yeah. So why not capitalize on these films that they have in the can mm-hmm. and, and, get their subscriber numbers up for their streaming service. And then I, I, I almost don't feel like that's like permanently, if they could get 500 million subscribers and they could just release movies on their streaming platform and, and recoup all the money and, and make a profit. They, and ideally I think that every studio would love to do that. Yeah. That's why they're all starting their own, their own streaming yeah. services. But realistically theaters will eventually open back up. Hopefully mm-hmm. things go back to normal. And I yeah. think if it does, then the old routine of releasing it theatrically, then on streaming services, I think that'll come back because that has been proven to make the most box yeah. office success and, and capitalize on their initial investment. So um, I think right now I'll take what I can get. If I can yeah. watch movies on VOD from the comfort of my home in my underwear, yeah. rather than wait two more years for the movie to come out in theaters, I'll take that movie now on VOD. Yeah. Do I want theaters to come back and new movies to come back into the theater? Yeah, absolutely. But as of right now, I just it's not an option, I guess. Yeah. I feel like the same. I think, if anything, it's proven to studios that audiences will take their content however they want to take it. But then I feel like it's gone through these weird waves where they didn't want to put stuff on VOD and then they did put it on VOD and it did well and everyone wants it on VOD because they're not getting it at the theaters. But now it has got back to that point where people want to be back in the theaters. So it's this weird up and down thing. I think you're right. I think we'll have that that um, original method going to the movies and then maybe just like that window between theaters and VOD or whatever is maybe a little bit smaller. You get the movie in theaters and then on VOD a couple of weeks later or the same week, 
they might become the regular. Who knows? Who knows? It's yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of like the wild west right now. Yeah. Anything can happen. Well, the other thing is like sometimes some movies I don't want to leave the house to see in the theater. I don't yeah. think they necessitate leaving the house as mm-hmm. a theater experience. Like uh, for yeah. example, the little things. Yeah. Like I was so grateful I got to just sit at home and watch that on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't probably not go to the theater to see that movie. Um, but something like uh, I don't know, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Does that belong in the big screen? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. like a spectacle. So um, that's really the the only thing right now. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. I just hope the theater industry doesn't uh, go extinct. That's yeah. I, I really I don't want it to. No, so. exactly not. I, I I feel the same. It's like I don't go to the cinemas a lot. I'll go see the Marvel stuff. I'll see the DC stuff. I'll see the big films on the cinema. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff I watch is at home. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen when we come out of the back end of all of this. Um, Mr. Josh writes in and says, Hi, Dave and John. Do you guys have any movies that you find relaxing? Something to help you unwind after a long day? Well, there's I have uh, various definitions of this, okay? Yeah. I, I have relaxing and I have feel good. And yeah. then I have happy place movies. Mm-hmm. But if you want to say relaxing, I have a very odd pick for you that I find so relaxing when I watch it. It, yeah. it discomforts me. It's the movie Castaway. Yeah. And when he's on that island and he's all alone and you just hear the waves of the ocean, he's hanging out with a volleyball. There's something about that isolation that I find comforting. Like mm. when he's just on the beach, like taking VHS tape and, you know, tying it around twigs or whatever, or trying to open a coconut. I like, it just relaxes me deep down to my core. And I can just watch 20 hours of that because I know there's not going to be any big confrontation. (laughs) So so oddly enough, like truly relaxing is, is that to me. Tranquil, tranquil. Yes. Tranquil. Yes. Yes. Uh, What, What about you? I don't know. I don't know. It is. It's hard to think of something that's just, just calming, relaxing. But I always feel like if I'm like ill or, or whatever, the movie I always turn to is like Pirates of the Caribbean, the first okay. one in particular, because it's just maybe because I've seen it so many times, it's just easy to watch and it's fun and it's you just go with the adventure. And again, same thing. I guess there's not huge stakes in that one but like compared to like the later films. But that's a film that I feel like I can just go back to and not like some, maybe something I don't have to think about too much. And just watch it, yeah. and enjoy it, and roll with the roll with the punches. It's kind of a, just a yeah. bombastic, swashbuckling adventure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so that uh, would be mine. Yeah. Yeah, I another one. If like since we've been talking about Marvel so much, like the one Marvel film that just relaxes me is Thor Ragnarok. Oh yeah. Like I I find that the most rewatchable Marvel mm. film thus far. It's just so easy to watch, yeah. and anything with Jeff Goldblum is oh, easy yeah. to watch. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's one I actually I watch that movie it seems like once every month or two. Yeah, we got a, got an easy question from Popcorn Chat says, "Who do you think would win a fight between the Terminator and Batman?" <laughs> <laughs> what incarnation of the Terminator are we talking about? Oh. Are we talking about T one, T two, anything after that? I'll give it to Batman all day. <laughs> I don't know. Arnie and T2 is a badass man. Uh, but then again, Batman. Really, if you have like a. a hmm, I'm going to give it to Batman. Batman. 
Yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, if the Terminator comes up against Melton Steel, he's done, you know, <laughs> or like a, a, a compacting machine, like in the first one where, where it gets crushed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give it to Batman. I'd say the same thing, too, I think. And at that, let's close this one out. Thank you very much for joining me, John. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Absolutely, man. Uh, for those of for those out there who maybe aren't familiar with you or whatever, can let them know where they can find you. Uh, just find me at the Flick Pick everywhere: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. The Flick Pick. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, of course, my podcast goes out every single Monday on all major podcasting platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Amazon. And Audible. Uh, Visual Element also goes out on YouTube, of course. Uh, that goes out two days early to Patreon supporters. So if you want to get your two-day early access, head over to patreon.com forward slash Dave Lee down under. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff as well at, uh, at Dave Lee down under. I'll leave links for that down the bottom. I'll leave links for uh, for John's stuff down there as well uh, if you want to go and check him out too. If you want to write into the show, send me an email to DaveLeePod at gmail.com. If you're listening on podcast platforms, I'd like some reviews. I'd love some reviews. That'd be great. Good reviews like the good ones um, and yeah again that's it thanks so much for listening and thank you for joining me John it's been an absolute pleasure absolutely thanks for having me alright see you later guys I'll do my little walk off now <laughs> <laughs>